time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to get onto the internet. That's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. Yes, they do. So be part of the conversation. The Neil Prenderville Show with Mercedes-Benz Cork. Paperwise this morning, I saw online actually, in the online version of the exam, no? Owen English talking about Presentation Brothers College. Uh, he says students at the prestigious fee-paying school in Cork have been advised to avoid quiet side streets following reports that some city-based students are being intimidated by gangs of youths. And earlier this week, we spoke to the mother of one of those city-based students on the air who was attacked and intimidated. And indeed, of course, yesterday, more gougers out in Dublin, going Douglas going around with Stanley Blades. But anyway, uh, Owen English says that uh, the school says it's become aware that a small number of students in city centre schools have been subjected to unwarranted detention and intimidation from a number of youths. And they say, and this is um, advice going to the parents, we'd ask you to speak to your son about this, remind him to avoid quieter side streets and as much as possible keep in a group. In an effort to keep students safe, we ask parents to please consider where your son goes after school and how he travels home. Awfully sad, isn't it, that that's the world we live in now and the city that we live in now where you have to be sending out warnings from the school because of intimidation and attacks and gougers missing and fighting and hitting and robbing students going home from school. Uh, paper-wise this morning, as in the old-fashioned paper and ink, uh, I'll come back to this later on, probably uh, chat with uh, Rory about it out at the 10 o'clock. Boys own want to buy a football club. It's called Chorley. Chortle, Chortle, Chorley. Um, and it's not the first time, of course, that people with a few bob are buying football clubs. So you got the front page and their star this morning, Jersey Boys. Second one, Love Me for a Season. And then Roy Keane makes the papers today. I don't know why they just don't give the gig, I know that people would be texting like crazy and I was saying, why would you say that? Why would you think Roy Keane would make a great manager of the Irish football team? Because he was a great player and I like him and I admire him. Not good enough, I hear you shouting back at the radio. But anyway, Keane says, nah, I've heard nothing. It's a story making the sun today. Heard nothing from his former employees and he says, it looks like I'll be here at Sky for a while yet. He says, I'm swaying now towards not going back into it, management and stuff, I think. He says, I think it's not worth the hassle. People const- constantly disrespecting you, sometimes with offers or others time-wasting. Uh, so he says that uh, blasting people who disrespect you and time-wasters... Um, as to who gets the Irish gig, I have no idea, but it's looking more and more unlikely that it won't be Roy Keane. Um, you know, in, in the in the tragic world that we live in with regards to death and violent death, the story from McCroom is now a murder inquiry, uh, launched a murder inquiry by the Guardi yesterday. Um, when the um, pathologist came back with the details of the injuries to Michael Foley, age 61. Now, there were extensive blunt force injuries in his flat um, in McCroom. Uh, and now the papers this morning, like it's a story making the mirror, where they say the detectives believe he knew his killer. Why would you ask that? Well, there was no sign of a break-in. And uh, the, the suspicion is that he, whoever did it, he let them into the flat. So from Pager making the echo this morning to a McCroom killing investigation upgraded to murder. Um, he was found with visible head injuries and he's thought to have led, had a very violent death. Obviously, he died violently. A neighbour said that he was a quiet man, a man who enjoyed life. So there's photographs on front and inside pages uh, of the Gardaí uh, doing an extensive search 
of Lucy's Lane uh, and also um, also photographs of the dead man um, who also uh, makes the front page of the Echo the late Michael Foley. Do you know, um, you talk about tragedy. There's another one in the, in the Daily Mail this morning. You know the Carlo Road tragedy? Awfully, awfully sad. Those that died. Um, Katie Graham was only 19 years old. Darrell Corpo was 21. Michael Kelly was, was 25. Fraudsters tried to make money out of the road tragedy funerals by setting up a couple of live streams of the funeral. Hard to believe, isn't it? Absolutely hard to believe. Seeking, seeking people's bank details and credit card details to watch the funeral on Facebook. I mean, that is as, um, that's as gaulish as you can get as people try and make money out of tragedy like that. And also, um, we uh, are never too far from all sorts of sickness and illness in wintertime and, you know, January and, and February are the time for it, I suppose, including measles. There was a man who died. He was 48. Uh, he is an Irishman. It was up in the Midlands Hospital, although he was originally from uh, Westmead, apparently. He went over to Birmingham in the last few weeks um, and it's thought that he may have caught the measles virus over there. So that's a front page of making the examiner today. Now, we'll come back uh, to measles because, um, you know, the, there's there's a lot... I mean, for me, I'm confused. I can't, I can't even remember and, and I can't ask my mother and my father because they're passed away as to whether I ever had measles as a child. Um, so if you had it once, are you immune? Are there different groups of people, ages maybe, uh, of people who are more susceptible to measles? Um, do many people die from it? I mean, the examiner this morning said there were four cases of measles in Ireland last year and only two the year before and there was none in 2021. But should we be worried about it now in 2024? No, no disrespect to the man who died and our thoughts with his family, but they have the symptoms and everything in the papers today. So I will come back to that one. But it's a dark, it's a dark day. When isn't it a dark day for our hospital system? I was talking yesterday morning about a man who was in his 80s. This is a story out of the University Hospital in Limerick. A man in his 80s with dementia. He was woken up at four o'clock in the morning uh, to be told that he was being discharged. I mean, who discharges anybody of any age at four o'clock in the morning from a hospital bed in a hospital ward? Well, that's what they did. It was compounded by the fact that the man had dementia. He was in his 80s. He became very agitated and he became very confused. He did not want to go. Security staff had to be called. It it just all kicked off awfully. And I can understand why the man um, wouldn't move and didn't want to go, became agitated and upset. God only knows the confusion within his head. Now, the hospital has come out and apologised for that, but we have doctors now working 35-hour shifts it's a story making an examiner this morning where doctors working 35-hour shifts have a nap in a room with broken windows during the winter. They don't have enough food for the night shift. Uh, and um, and how could they have enough food for 34 hours? You're bringing a big, huge swag bag of food with you. I mean, if you're doing 35-hour shifts, how can you even make proper clinical calls on people's conditions if you're hanging from the tiredness doing a 35-hour shift? But there you have it nonetheless. That's... Uh, Healthcare in Ireland in 2024. Um, politics in Ireland in 2024, never too far either with an election just around the corner. Mind you, Sinn Féin continue to plumb. I don't know why Sinn Féin continue to do badly over the last month or so, but they do. They have now hit their lowest levels in three years. They're still ahead of any independent party in popularity, don't get me wrong. Story making the Irish Times this morning. They're, they're down 6% now to 28%. So they're well ahead of Fianna Fáil at 20 and Fianna Gael at 19 and the Greens at 5. But that's not really the problem. The problem is that all Fianna Gael need to do is team up with Fianna Fáil and the Greens 
and get a handful of independents, the Social Democrats, and they're fine. In fact, they could well be fine even without the independents. They just had Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil and the Green parties. They'd take Sinn Féin out in the morning. There was a general election, but there you have it on the front of the uh, Irish Times today. And meanwhile... For those people uh, attempting, it's cheaper now to get a mortgage and buy a house, lads, if you've got the deposit, than it is to rent a house in Cork City, uh, certainly in the city, probably even in the county. The average rent now across Ireland is just under €1,600, Euro, but it's much higher than that on side, and it continues to go up. Um, and people moving into new tenancies now will find that it's raised by nearly 11% in a year um, and there's a slowdown of course in the property market so it's, there's less and less being built they say and there's less and less available for rent. There is one down in uh, Roach's Terrace in Cove that uh, the lads spotted this morning and they gave to me um, it is um, it's a double bedroom so was that, was that one bedroom? If it's a, a double bedroom uh, two bed, we'll call it, let's call it a two bed uh, that's the way they used to put it before two bed, one bathroom uh, two bed, one bath house uh, Roaches Terrace Cove 2,000 euro a month two grand a month now, do you do you, you know that I don't, I don't want to give out the number of it but it looks like a beautiful terrace is it one of the hill terraces in Cove? Um, it's there terrace. close to the cathedral so yeah, you'd, have okay. a, you'd have a sea view um, now there is another house in Cove it's a, a two bed um, it, it would be furnished and it would be kind of further away from here for 1800 a month but this one for two grand has nothing there's no it's furniture nothing. In it. no no yeah, it's where okay. you just walk and you furnish it yourself it's, yeah. it's causing a lot of commotion online because people are saying look it's greed and there's a lot of people that are homeless that um, is that there no rent control on that you, can you do can you do that when you've got a new tenant going in you can do it on the basis that that's what rent is around the area yeah like uh, as far as I understand in a uh, rental zone uh, if it's if it's capped that if it's a new rent then market that, rent market rent but two then, grand a month isn't market rent in Cove is it anyway well, I don't know, it, I don't know. It, is, it is now if you're looking at another house that's uh, a couple of miles away on the island that's going for 1800 a month so it's in and around there the only one thing I will say about it may be unfurnished right but it's got an A3 bar rating mm. so it's a cosy cosy home oh, and it, uh, it's got underfloor heating and a lot of work was done to it yes so, it, it, you know, it, it's uh, like I've seen the inside of it there's about 26 photos gone up and down no it is cracking but don't it, get me it, wrong it, they, they have done a lot of work in all fairness two grand a month but I don't know if it's worth two grand a month. OK, get involved in the conversation, guys. Text 0868104106. We also saw something from Reddit this morning where somebody posted €1,000 per month rent for an ensuite bedroom in a house share in the city. A grand a month for an ensuite bedroom in the city. I'm quite sure you'll give me more examples of that, peeps. So do so. Text 0868104106. Meanwhile, in front of the mail this morning, talks of uh, two restaurants a day closing down across Ireland. They have a figure, which I think is probably inaccurate at this stage where they say 320 restaurants uh, shut their doors in the past six months. I think the number is probably higher and it's probably a few weeks behind at least. It's probably closer to 450, maybe even 500 restaurants across the country uh, in the last six months. But there's been a tsunami and even more to come. Do you know how we have a, the, the PANA ban uh, from what is it, like three to six or three to seven? I don't know how many people even you know, in, you know know uh, abide by the PANA ban anymore. But there's a story making the tab 
tabloids this morning that Dublin city centre will be become a car banned area from August, much like say your Paris uh, or your central London. That cars will be banned from the centre of Dublin uh, from the August. You have to go around it and use all of the different types of transport instead of driving your car through Dublin city centre. I only mention that because you got to wonder if that's something then that might actually happen here in the not too distant future. One other type of uh, transport, of course, is uh, flying by air. Uh, this isn't the first time I've seen this story. Uh, Finn Air are going to weigh passengers. They're going to weigh them with their cabin bag. Um, and it's not that they want to charge them more money for being very heavy, they claim. It's to work out where to put people to seat on the plane so that the plane will be balanced during flight. Make the journey. I mean, you don't want one wing higher than the other. <laughs> You know, you don't want kind of, you don't want the plane flying like lapsy pa. So apparently, that's apparently where they're weighing passengers. I'm assuming that all the passengers will sign up to it. And the papers also talk today for those of you um, that may have erectile uh, dysfunction, can't get it up, then Viagra is the thing for that. But apparently, it also is very good for um, uh, as a brain pick me up, and it can reduce the development of Alzheimer's by up to eighteen percent. So it reduces your chances of contracting Alzheimer's at some stage in your life by nearly 20%. Can't be all that bad. There's a lot of upsides to Viagra, I suppose. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. So we're going to do just kind of a quick look at measles here because it is making the news and people may well be concerned and we need some answers to it. And the man to go to is Dr. Scott Walken, uh, the lead um, uh, in for infection control, family GP himself, uh, and may well be able to debunk it for us. Um, so we'll pick up the phone on that one and uh, we'll get on to him and we'll have the chat and see how it goes because as a man, the age of 48 has passed away up the country and I suppose everybody is maybe on alert with that in that in that regard so dr scott good morning thank you for taking the call can you hear me okay okay that's whatsapp for you so um maybe that is a line that can connect and we'll come back to it again in a few minutes time um i did i do believe that he's going to talk about things along the lines that if you contracted and i don't want to actually go into too a lot of detail not being a clinician myself but uh, there is uh, two ways to reliably tell if someone uh, is born before 1978 um, in Ireland. Um, they're immune uh, because there was so much of it around. And if they had two shots of, uh, if you've had two shots of the MMR, then you're okay as well. No, I, I can't get them by phone, so that will have to uh, that will have to wait. Maybe we'll try them on a traditional phone line and we go with that. Um, the some of the symptoms, though, I was reading this morning in the paper are like cold-like symptoms such as aches and pains, a runny nose, sneezing, and a cough. Uh, sore red eyes that may be sensitive to light. Um, they talk about loss of appetite, tiredness, irritability, general lack of energy. But what about the rash? Wasn't that one of the ones that we always knew in the past? Uh, you get the measles rash. Usually appears on the head and neck and first and then spreads to the to the rest of the body. I think we'll go to a, a regular phone line because uh, WhatsApp let me down this morning. Dr. Scott, good morning. Good morning. My apologies for that. I've already done the introduction and I stole a bit of your thunder with regards to the symptoms. Should people be on alert? No, and, and of course, our sympathies with the man's family who died up in the Midlands at the age of 48. Your thoughts? Well, it's a, it's a terrible tragedy. I'm so sorry to have heard that, and, and, and particularly for his family. It's an absolute tragedy. And what makes it all the more tragic is that uh, you know measles is a is a prevent is a vaccine preventable illness you know so we can 
prevent these deaths, which is no comfort whatsoever to his family. But I hope it is of some comfort to your listeners uh, that there is, in fact, something that can be done to prevent these terrible situations. That's the MMR, is it? That's correct, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. Which is below in Ireland, below the uptake, uptake across the world by all accounts, um, which means that we need to do better in that regard. Is that right? Yes. So internationally, uh, MMR vaccination uptake rates have been falling and the World Health Organization recommend an uptake rate of 95% or higher to prevent community person-to-person spread of of measles and mumps and rubella. So uh, unfortunately, the the, the vaccine uptake rate in Ireland is, is nationally is less than 90%. And in some areas, it is less than 80%. Why? And that really... Well, I think there's, there's, there's probably a complex uh, array of reasons for that. Uh, I think there's an ele- element of vaccine fatigue. I also think that uh, vaccines are always at risk of being a victim of their own success because, you know, it's a long time really since we've heard much about measles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's because the MMR is so effective. And, and very often when illnesses are out of sight, they're out of mind. You know, we'll all be thinking about it now because of this tragedy in the Midlands. Um, but prior to that, measles almost sounds like something out of a bygone era. Uh, and because of that, we forget about the complications, the pneumonia, the, you know, the various complications that can happen. And a lot of people end up landing in hospital because of MMR, uh, because of measles, I should say, yeah, not because of MMR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's the difficulty. We just forget about how serious these illnesses like are. Like, I can remember as a child, everybody, everybody probably did... I can't remember. Everybody got the measles at some stage. We were praying to get it so we'd get out of school and all that kind of stuff. But there was figures released that say up until the mid-80s, there was numbers of like 10,000 in Ireland getting the measles. And then after the introduction of the MMR, it dropped um, to like 200 instead of 10,000. So you see the effectiveness. Yeah. So is, is, it, is it children, like at what stage do people get that virus, get that vaccine? Can, be, can you get it at any age? So the MMR vaccine is part of the childhood immunisation schedule and it is administered uh, by GPs at uh, 12 months of age. And then a second dose of the MMR is given to children at the age of four to five. That's usually done by the school vaccination team. Certainly in Cork, it's done by the uh, school vaccination teams at four to five and junior infants. Well, um, that, that would mean that um, most children probably have had the MMR and if they hadn't, it's because uh, their parents aren't fans of vaccines, is it? Well, I, I think you know, I, that can be part of it. Uh, but, I mean, life is busy and sometimes people who are very well-intentioned and intend to get the vaccine just don't get around to it. Or maybe uh, at the time when they had planned to bring the child in, the, the child has uh, a temperature and, and the, the, the vaccine needs to be delayed. Uh, and then, you know, later on, life is busy and they just don't quite get around to it. But I hope uh, that if there's any silver lining to this tragedy in the Midlands, that it will mean that will bring the importance of MMR vaccination back into focus. Uh, and hopefully it will be a, a prompt for all of us to make sure that our, uh, that everybody is, is, is vaccinated on time with the MMR vaccine. So is it very contagious then? Yes. So, so measles... Um, 
if I was to ask the mirror on the wall who's the most contagious of them all, I think I think the uh, measles would be right up there. Mm. So just to give you an example, on average, uh, the flu and COVID, which are both considered very contagious conditions, uh, the, the measure of transmissibility is called the R number. On What it means is, on average, a case of flu or a case of COVID can be expected to, on average, uh, infect two other people. Now, with the me- and that's considered a, a very transmissible illness. Now, with measles, the R0 value, the R value, uh, the, the number of people in an unvaccinated population uh, that a case of measles can be expected to infect, on average, is 12 to 18. Okay, so it's really, really contagious. Yeah, yeah. But is it not a case of just uh, go to bed, take a, a few paracetamol, hot drinks, and uh, just write it out for a few days? So if people if people are lucky, if they get the measles and they're lucky, that's exactly what will happen. Okay, yeah. but uh, somewhere in the region of thirty percent of people who get measles uh, will get complications, uh, and uh, they can include you know hearing problems. Uh, they can include pneumonia. Can include can include uh, encephalitis, which is swelling of the brain. So and and, and you know there was a there was a, an outbreak in Dublin in 2000 when about 1600 cases of measles were uh, reported and when? of those 1600 that was in 2000 that was in 2000 and of those 1600 cases about three, uh, sorry not about three three children died so that's one in 500 people almost that died from measles so it is a serious illness I can see also that people would be a bit nervous of it because there is this talk and there is this belief among some it could be false, I don't know, um, that, uh, that the MMR um, could, could lead to a risk of autism. Yes, so, so that, those uh, connections, or alleged connections, uh, arose from the work of uh, Andrew Wakefield in the late 1990s. And that research has been entirely discredited. There were all sorts of uh, conflicts of interest uh, and uh, Andrew Wakefield, in fact, has been his, his license to practice medicine has been revoked by the General Medical Council in the UK. Mm. And the publication, it's called The Lancet, which originally um, published the paper making those links, which of course have turned out to be spurious, to be inaccurate. Mm. The paper, the, the paper that was published in The Lancet was withdrawn because it was found to have uh, okay. fatal flaws okay. in the in in, in the uh, study. Are there particular? Finally, are there particular age groups then? that are at risk? Is it young people? Is it the elderly? Is it, say, for instance, pregnant women? Yes, so, uh, yes, all of the, the, the young, the old, and, and, and people whose immune system are weak, uh, is weak are, are, are people who are pregnant are at increased risk. Uh, but the people that are incre- at highest risk of getting measles are males in the late teen years, 18 to 19, because uh, the immunity in that group is lower. There's only about four and five of that age group that are immune to measles. And if you, if, if you just roll that back a little bit, so, so that group would have been born in the early 2000s. And uh, that was soon after the time when the Andrew Wakefield 
uh, oh, paper was, was yeah, published. Yeah. So you can draw a direct line between that inaccurate uh, research that was published uh, and uh, the the current situation that we're in with a, a low level of immunity amongst uh, people that are 18 and 19, particularly men, less so females, but, but particularly men. Okay, okay, okay. Um, it's uh, nice talking to you this morning because there was a lot of questions that need to be answered. I'm much obliged to you for doing that, uh, Dr. Scott Walker. Uh, Andrea, good morning. Um, I know uh, you're under a bit of pressure this morning, but you, you did, you got the MMR vaccine more than once, did you? Sorry, no, I'm free at the moment. You're grand, you're safe enough, you're hands-free. Yeah, go on. Um, so, yeah, so with every pregnancy, I have three kids. Um, so with every pregnancy, my immunity was tested, and um, I wasn't immune in, in every pregnancy. And after every pregnancy, I got the MMR vaccine again. Um, so it was a strange one. Like, um, no, I did have the mumps and the child. But um, other than that, I didn't get. I never got measles or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of worried now because, like, I haven't had my immunity tested in about seven or eight years. My my son is eight this year, so um, I'm not sure if, it, if the last one has worked or not. Yeah. Are you, you know? are you saying that they they didn't work? Because if you'd had the MMR vaccine four times, you should have been immune. Yeah, I should be, but um, like with every pregnancy, um, they obviously test your, your blood like, to see are you immune because it's dangerous in pregnancy if you catch something. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I wasn't, so um, I wasn't immune, so okay. I, I don't know why, why it hasn't worked. Um, as, as a mother to young children, are your children uh, vaccinated? Yeah, they're all vaccinated. Yeah, I'd be very, um, very kind of stringent with that. Like. Okay. And do you ever have a conversation with other parents as to whether their children are also vaccinated or whether there's, they think it's too risky? Um, no. Like uh, most other parents I know would be like myself. Like they'd get the vaccines. Um, all my kids' vaccines are up to date. I got the HPV from my older kids recently. Um. So yeah, no, and I know there was a bit of controversy with the MMR, but autism years ago, yeah. um, I suppose like my son has autism, I, I didn't even take any notice of that, I still got the MMR for him, um, so like I, it, I I, just, I'd be stringent about it, like I, I think it's important, I think they're important, um, the only yeah. vaccine that I see yeah. a bit kind yeah. of... Okay, just before Dr. Scott goes, that's an in- just one interesting question. I don't mean to throw him under a bus. Do you hear that, Scott? He, she says that Andrew yeah. says, yeah, go ahead. She was vaccinated four yeah. times. Oh, okay, so uh, the 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 uh, vac- sorry the measurement of uh, measles immunity uh, by uh, by checking the antibodies is an inexact test. Okay, so what is considered, people can consider themselves to be immune, including Andrea, I'm glad to say, if they have had uh, two uh, uh, vaccinations uh, with MMR more than four weeks apart after the age of 12 months. Okay, so clearly, uh, Andrea clearly falls into that category. So that's considered uh, to uh, represent immunity. The tests uh, can be helpful in certain circumstances, uh, but uh, the, 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 uh, the ability of the test to definitely pick up immunity is not quite 100%, okay? okay. So uh, I think it is very likely that, uh, that anybody who gets two vaccines with MMR can consider themselves to be uh, immune. Okay. There are some very rare exceptions to that and people that have problems with their immune system. But generally, two, two, two 
two uh, shots of MMR vaccine basically means the person can consider themselves to be immune. Okay, I hope that comes uh, as a relief to you, Andrea. You got a free consultation there from Dr. Scott. All is fine. <laughs> Thank you both. Much obliged to Dr. Scott. Okay. Take care, Andrea. Drive safely. Text 0868 104 106. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. All right, some great texts coming in this morning. Keep them coming and I'll come back to them just after 10. So text 0868 Meanwhile, just catching up from a busy day yesterday. Uh, I just thought I'd drop you a quick email in response to yesterday's show on bullying. My heart broke listening to that girl and all her son is experiencing at the hands of bullies. Listening to it reminded me of my own school days. I was bullied from the age of 13 to 16 until I moved school and finally thrived moved school. Uh, My bullying consisted of verbal bullying every day, taunts, name calling and even two people throwing stones at me on the street. It got to the point where I became severely agoraphobic and was too afraid to walk down the street for the fear of being shouted at, which happened all of the time. I'm now a woman in my early 40s and I still suffer anxiety as an aftermath of that bullying as a child. It really does leave emotional scars that never fully heal and I really, really, really I wish there was more awareness about the effects of it all. Sometimes the impact of bullying can sadly result in loss of life. I can't come on air. Don't want my name to be shared. I just wanted to share my story. Now, thank you for that. Uh, And it's awful to hear what you went through during, um, you know, a time that should have been a really happy, adventurous time in your life, 13, 14, 15 and 16. Um, The fact isn't lost on me that you moved school. So here is another example of bullies bullies winning out, or those in authority, or those in charge, not taking it serious enough, so much so that you had to move school. But there was no repercussions yet again for the bullies themselves. Um, So I was thinking about that call from yesterday uh, on air. Uh, Her son would be um, in... So there's a a secondary school with an ASD unit attached to it, and her son would be on the autism spectrum and would have a place in that ASD. But of course would be mixing with all of the school and because he's different and because he uh, you know lives his own life and you know he's a lovely lovely lad he seems to be vulnerable to bullying now I thought about that a lot go to the school she did all of that Um, the reaction to it certainly left an awful lot to be desired Um, you know talk to Tusla uh, talk to Angarda Shikona uh, send a solicitor's letter. Um, so I was thinking about that and, and, and you guys were recommending all of the above uh, yesterday. Uh, imagine that the going to the Gardaí, that option probably wouldn't re- result in anything substantial or significant happening because they would be underage. So yet again. So I was thinking that um, one person that may be able to give some advice uh, to that mother would be Colette Wolf, who literally wrote the book on it. Uh, why? Well, because her own daughter, Leanne, at the age of 18, took her own life following years of torment at the hands of bullying. Uh, in fact, she, if I remember correctly, she left behind a diary that charted her descent into despair. Uh, and Colette joins me by phone, and it's always a pleasure uh, chatting with Colette because she's a, she's a great friend and a f- great time for her. Colette, good morning. Good morning, Neil, and I have the same for you. And do you know, you know it's lovely chatting with you, but I don't know how much of yesterday's conversation you heard or whether the lads brought you up to speed on it, but um, I, 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 you'd feel helpless hearing a story about this lad, wouldn't you? You would, but you know, Neil, I speak in schools, and I find it works. It works because they see reality. Yeah. They see the outcome of bullying. They see the consequences of it, and they see the and they see the tragedy of suicide. And you're standing there. 
even if I ask you and your audience a question, when you're listening to someone's story, you're, they're standing there in front of you. It makes it very, very real for you. And it makes it like, don't hurt that, you know, this is real. This is a ha- this happened in our area, this happened in our city, this happened in our nation. And I feel that with, with that woman, my God, my sympathy goes out to her because she is not the only one. And I know that because I deal with this. And she's not the only one. The schools can be very hard to deal with. Not all of them, but some can be very hard to deal with. I don't know if it's the fact that they don't want to admit that there's bullying going on in their school. But Neil, we have to be realistic here. There is an awful lot of bullying going on in the majority of schools. I know, but you see, I don't know how prevalent it would have been with your beautiful daughter Leanne in um, in 2000. Was it 2008? 2007. 2007. You know, how prevalent mobile phones, smartphone technology, bullying by text and WhatsApp, bullying by groups of people and kids taking uh, videos and um, mocking somebody on TikTok and things. Is it, is, it, is it a different world now? Much worse, I wonder? Well, much worse. There's so many ways now that they can get at them. And I, but I still feel things didn't change because I remember before Leanne died when I phoned, when she was very upset and there was a text on her phone and, and it was crude. It was a crude text now. And I said to her, Leanne, for God's sake, that's not even possible. You know what I mean? I didn't know the extent, no, Neil, of what was going on, you know? And I said, that's not even possible. And she never really missed school. My God, she was she was a fanatic really for school because I suppose through being the youngest in such an age gap, you know, these were our friends. This was our place to get away from home at that age. Mm. They don't really want to be around their parents. Mm. And, and and she looked at me and I said, like, I said, Leanne, you're not even going to school. Like, what's going on? And when she showed me the the text, and then she's, I said, Leanne, that's not even possible. Yeah. And I said, delete this. And this is exactly what she said. She said. She said, my other friends are receiving the same texts about me. And I thought, okay, that's why I'm not getting away from that, you know, that it's been repeated to her. Mm. So myself and my husband made an appointment off down to, the, to visit the principal to see what we could do. And we were told it was too near the leaving cert that there was nothing that they could do, that they were too busy. Yeah. Things haven't changed that much, Neil, yeah. because I I spoke in the school. I'm not going to name out any schools, as you know. I do a free. I don't charge, so it's a free a free service. And I before I spoke in the school, and it's a fairly big school. I was told that you know they haven't really much major problems. I was dealing with two young women in that school. I call them young women. They're young teenagers. Yeah, that they didn't know. I went to that school. I did back to back speaking to him. I bring clips of, you know, of of our children, of our life, of what it was before and um, what became of it. Yeah, do you read the, do you write do you read passages from Leanne's diary? I had them up in the screen from that they can see it black and white of how she was feeling and, you know, how it started off so trivial by being excluded and you know, and then being marked and the worst part that she hated over it be the hitting, the vandalizing was the name calling. Yeah. She literally it, it just it, she couldn't cope with it at all. It actually made her think that she was a, the person that she wasn't. Yeah. That yeah. she was fat, she was ugly. But we went to the, I went to the school and they were lovely, very accommodating, you know, everything was set up and the whole ass. Do you know something? The very last I'd say talk I gave I could feel it in that room. I could feel that there was the sadness. You could feel that the, you know, like, and at the end I said, look, I said, 
at the end of every every talk, I give them a slip of paper. They put no name in it. They don't do anything like that. I said, whatever question. Don't think that there's no uh, stupid questions because I said, every question is important. And uh, so I said to them, write down what you want to ask. I yeah. said, if I can't answer, I said, there's somebody here that definitely can't. Do you know? Yeah. So, and sometimes I'd say, to make it a bit loud, I'd say, and if I can't, if my husband is with me, I'd say, my husband can, he nearly dies out, as you know, and he's very quiet. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and by the time the fourth question, they had to stop it. Why? Because they were so, you know, they were so bad, really, that they were concerning. As in you were getting notes from kids who were being bullied or what? About the whole shebang, about suicide, about the whole lot, about their lives, about that, you know, they just weren't coping. How old was this age group? This age group would be about 16, 16, I'd say, 17. Yeah. Why weren't they coping? Because, you know, Neil, to be honest, you know, young people at that age, now I'm working with them now in placement, and, and, you know, and through working with them, you know, I deal with people all the time, young people, their presence with for me. You know, they're not great for talking. Sometimes they think they're living in a world, you know, that they have to put this front on, that, you know, everything is perfect, everything's rosy. You know, you, you look at their Instagram photographs or their... TikTok photographs and they, you know you'd meet them in the street afterwards you won't recognise some of the people you yeah, know what I mean some mm, of the young people mm. and they live and they find it very hard to say that they're being bullied because this to, is not the norm for them you know what I mean so they don't know what to do with it yeah so, and, so bullying you know, is one aspect but but coping is a, another aspect entirely that's just coping with life coping with um, you know growing up coping with teenage years and, wanting and to fit in worried about your future exams all that kind of thing yeah, yeah it is and when bullying is in that it makes it a thousand times harder because going to school is not a safe place anymore answering the phone is not a safe place anymore looking at any of their Instagrams is not a safe place anymore because you know they're looking at things that they really don't want to hear yeah. about themselves that yeah. being said and you know when you look at you know bullying can be very very intimidating you know it can I was bullied as a child so I know it would be a completely different kind of bullying but you know it makes you, you left at 12 didn't you you, just, you, you I did and it wasn't school it was home I was bullied so uh, you know you could be bullied anywhere yeah. in your in your life but you know to kind of have that imitate you, you feel that like for years I felt that you know I was useless you know that it was my fault you know reading Leanne's diaries it was her fault look at Coca Brown you know what I mean you could go through the people and if you went through the school today you know and I, I talked to him and I said well, like one young fellow said to me he said you know they call me pizza face and I thought you know for God's sake like it took me a couple of seconds to understand that yeah that would be acne you know what I mean yeah and you know and I talked to myself like to be called that on a, a, a regular basis you know, it has to take a well, couple. Kids are really. kids are cruel. I suppose you could you, you'd have that oh. name calling in all decade decades. You might have been you, a kid with do. glasses. But you might have had red hair. You might have had big ears. Yeah. Whatever they, 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 it's like it, but it's, it's a like lot a ma- more violent now, Neil. Yeah. It's a lot more now 
uh, radical when you look at it. The your texts, your yeah. you know yeah. social media, like they have, and young people are constantly on social media. So it's not that they can get away from it. That's their life. That's the the way we're growing. Up. They're growing up now. Is social media was different for us. You know what I mean? This is a big part of their life. But like, if the schools could just, you know, you know where that woman now wasn't, you know, it didn't really get the help. And I have spoken. I remember people coming into Max and Spencer's to me. That had the exact same problem. You're still up against an organisation. You know what I mean. That you know you're one person. You're a parent. You know, and if there's two of you, there you're lucky. But you know, you're just that person going to the school trying to sort out. You know, an issue that's going on in your child's life. You don't want anything major. And this young man, young boy, has enough problems. He's on the spectrum, you know? right? He's a, he's a, yeah. he's living with autism. She's been to the school. It's but made no difference. Very very crude. There, uh, you know, the norm is not the norm that we grew up in. You know, where you have some little, bit, you know, you draw back the line. You know, and not saying that we were perfect. But if there's but a I'm school saying, full like, of kids, right? And, and I know it's only kind of around about first year, so they're very young. But surely there are second years or fourth years or fifth years or sixth years who would be a little bit more mature that they would take on the bullies and put manners on them or like like it used to happen years ago that somebody would stand up for the lad. You know, I, I suppose, you know, what is it, the bystander effect? You know, people will always believe, you know, that somebody else will do it. You know, and it doesn't happen. Somebody else doesn't do it in most of the cases. Like, and that young fellow has been, that young boy has been hurt constantly first year. Like, Neil, I have a photograph memory. And I remember years ago, at the start of my journey, I was on the radio with you when the Anne story broke out. Yeah. And a, a, a mother phoned you one day. And I never forget listening and thought, oh my God, like, her son was at starting school for a young now. So I don't know what age to this, that is a five. And, Every time that he was coming in from the yard, there'd be the older boys, they'd be all lining up and what have you. But this one boy would target this young boy constantly. And he'd be crying coming in. And one day the teacher uh, said to him, what's wrong with you? And he said, he, ex- he just said, he, he, he dig me. And she said to him, don't be telling tales. I never forget your words. Your words, but, you know, if, he will never again tell anyone anything. No. No, you won't be able to share. Yeah, yeah. No, and I remember that's going back. They have you're told, and sadly you were. If you're told by the nuns that you're stupid all of the time, yes. You know what? What belief do you grow up with? You you believe like parents are not under the illusion anymore that their children are going into safe um, environments. You, I remember years ago that you turned around and you said you can only bring your child to the gates. You can't, uh, you know, play with them in the play yard, but. Like it, it's something. It is a serious, serious, serious matter. Look, if we can throw everything at it, look, it's not promoting me, Neil. It doesn't gain me anything. All I want is that some child or some family will not have to go through what I have to do. Send me into the schools. I mean, I go. I'm. It's usually somebody else that arranges. I never phone them. Send me in. They're not being charged for it. Educate them. Mm. Educate them. And the uh, how this is where it starts. And a young age, no. I go into secondary school. They need to. They need to start younger. At the effects of what it is. And I always tell them. And you know something. And I get a lot of feedback. And you know sometimes I meet people a good few years later, and they tell me that they were in the class when I came. You know, to speak. Yeah, and it had an impact. Yeah, yeah. But that, but, but that email there a while ago. She was bullied from the ages of thirteen to sixteen. She moved school. She thrived yeah, after she, but she shouldn't have to move school. 
No, but a lot of them do need, and it still doesn't start it. And it doesn't start it, no, because of the social media. Because it's happening, you know, it, yeah. it's not confined to the footprint no, of the school it's not anymore. Yeah. No, it's just, you know, look, I remember um, there was a Professor Moran involved in the Anne's um, case at the time, and you know, it's a terrible way now of describing them, but this is what the way she described it. She said it was like a pack of dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And they each had something. One would have name calling, one would have texting, one would have no Instagram, one would be good. And there's something good. One of them is very good at doing. And when they're in a bunch, they encourage each other. You know, and nobody stands up and says, look, I, I, this is not right. You know what I mean? Like, for us, no, I, like, as a normal human being, to bully a young boy like that, yeah. Yeah. I would feel sick. I would think like, you know, you know, the bystander effect will have to stop. You know what I mean? We're growing up in a. Well, I was know, just trying to find up options for her yesterday. Whether she's tried the school, they've made false promises. She, you know, should she send a solicitor's letter? Should the child move schools? It's hard enough to get a place in an ASD unit anyway in a secondary school. You know, is it an issue for the Garda Shikana? What like? You know, I to be quite honest, like I said, it's very hard when you when you when you go to the school because it sometimes it can escalate and make it worse. Not from the school's part; it's just that word gets out. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. you know, young people take it to know oh, he's yeah. after telling You're her, a snitch, or what yeah. have you. Yeah. Yes, and it makes it worse for them. I know that in the end case, that one where their diaries are for to be made a thousand times worse. You know, by going to the the paper. Oh my God, that's a you tough know? that's a tough cross to carry. Yeah, that yeah. was you know like you're in a wind wind uh, solution. You know what I mean? What can you do? And the only thing I could okay. say to that woman is that you know you know organize organize. Tell them that the school needs to organize enough uh, the units. Because no, the unit can do with this, you know what I mean? But I'm saying the bullying is happening today, mm. this young boy, you know mm. what I mean? But I'm saying we're, we're, you know, to educate these young people that this is not the norm. Do you know what frightens them actually when I'm speaking to them? I tell him, you know, you're sitting here now today, I says, but you know, in 10 years' time, you could meet that person that you bully. And I said, you're a complete different person now. You're not a bully now. But I said, they will remember you as a bully and a tyrant, I said, for the rest of their lives. No matter what, how good you do in life or what you do in life, I said, to that person, you will always be that bully. Yeah. And I said, is that what you'd like to be remembered? I know, I know. It's I a very rest, inter- yeah, you know? yeah. Do you know something? You know, you know, talk about remembering people. Leanne would be in her mid. 30s now I suppose do you, yeah. do, you, do you ever think of how her life you know she could have fallen in love might have settled down oh, had a fabulous yeah. career oh. you might be a grandmother yeah. things like that yeah. coming up to March no you know especially her birthday and anniversary like you know you'd be thinking like you know uh, you know what if but you know sometimes the what if can really bring you down so you try to avoid the what if or sometimes when I meet our friends and they're after having a new baby or oh, that must but be heartbreaking for you oh it hits hard not that you begrudge anything but I tell you it's like it's, it, it, it is like a dagger you know what I mean oh. you're, you're it's, life has ended there, you know. But you have a fierce consolation. I mean, we, we spoke about signs of an afterlife yesterday, amazing yeah. response to it. But you have an absolute 100% faith that you will oh, meet her 100%. again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you know, and do you know something? That's what gets me through life. It's a peace that surpasses all human understanding that will guard my heart, you know, because I believe. Yeah. And I believe, you know, and, and that's, I think, that gives me the strength now that goes forward, you know, it's God and, you know, to help other people and people that are in trouble. And all 
all walks of life, mm, you know. Okay. People are in trouble. I, you know, it was started off with bullying and suicide. It's gone to a whole different thing now, you know. Yeah. I'm there, yeah. you know. I have all that love that I had for Leanne. Do you know what I mean? I can't give it to her, you know. She should have had probably one or two children now, yeah, you know, know what I mean? I know. Married yeah. and what have you. Do you know, I look now, I'm in university. I remember applying for England for a midwife and, you know, so I was thinking, you know, God, how much she like, what would she think of me in UCC? You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> and because I never gave her a card, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I never, you know, couldn't read or write. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you know, and, I, and, you know, and I looked in, but, Neil, do you know what I love? I love when I walk away. And it, it could be a month, it could be a couple of years, it could be, and then I'd be notified of how their lives changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see that, and see them going on and living a, a full life. I'm not saying, you know, just like we're full of trials and troubles, you know what I mean? Yeah. But to see their lives change. Yeah. And I would, you know, I, I, this is not about a promotion for Clip. Well, if you know me better than anything, yeah. this is about putting someone that has been through it. It's not there to, you know, ridicule the bullies. It's there to educate them yeah, and then yeah. to show them the well results said, of well what said, can happen. Well and not only suicide, bully, from uh, being bullied. That woman there that emailed you, her life has after been really, really... Oh, she still has the impact years, of it years it. later. She's in her early 40s now. Listen, it's... And you know something, that's yeah. very common. Yeah, listen, you know? it's lovely It's lovely to catch up as always. Thank you for that. I know an awful lot of people will listen to your words of wisdom. Mind yourself for now, Colette. Take care. Uh, my apologies, incident. Thank you to Colette Wolf. My apologies to Angela. I hope you can hold on, Angela. I didn't want to finish the uh, uh, conversation and bring you in at the end of it. I want to have a proper chat with you after 10. Thank you. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Uh, on text from this morning of different topics. Good morning. Um, with regards to Sinn Féin dropping, uh, consistently dropping an opinion poll. I'm no expert, but from talking to people I know who are going to vote Sinn Féin but now won't, it's because of their open-door policy on bringing in more refugees, which has come to light lately. Look at the hospitals for just one example of why more people is a bad idea, says Eric. Uh, the stunt Sinn Féin pulled on the Minister for Justice will come back to bite them. Also, a lot of people don't actually want a united Ireland, which will go against Sinn Féin as well. Uh, Sinn Féin are falling because they are pro-immigration, says Damien. It's not rocket science. The majority of the public are against this insane immigration of economic migrants migrants that's going on at the moment, says Damien. Thank you for all of those. On the state of our health service, which I was talking about earlier, listening about the man in Limerick Hospital who was being discharged at 4 o'clock in the morning. Who decided at 4 a.m. to make this decision? Yeah, and to an elderly man with dementia. Do they have targets per day or what? My daughter was in CUH and medical staff wanted us discharged, but CAMS wouldn't allow it. The medical pushed a lot though and they were determined to move her along and get in the next patient. There were no worries about aftercare either. They left that to other departments. There's no care anymore. It's just medical in and medical out. Uh, Too many refugees are entering the country. That's why doctors are under major pressure with new patients. It's the same in our A&E. People are being told, particularly at weekends, not to attend unless it is really an emergency. How in God's name are people supposed to know if it's an emergency as there are no doctors available for them to see in the first place? 
No more house calls like they used to be in the past where a doctor would visit you at home even at night. The country's going down the toilet fast, says Kieran. Um, and then on prices, I'm working full time, I'm paying rent and I can't get a mortgage. Wouldn't you think that the banks would see that I can well afford to pay for a mortgage on my bank statements alone? Um, I know, um, that, I, and this happens, but I wonder, did you ever try and use a broker as opposed to going to banks directly yourself? Let the brokers do the work for you. Get yourself a good broker. They won't charge you anything. Uh, and they will be paid then uh, through the mortgage um, application and be paid when the mortgage fee was drawn down. That's my understanding of it. So brokers could be a way maybe uh, to get you a mortgage as opposed to you traipsing to the different banks. I went down Winthrop Street last Saturday from Patrick Street at 3.15 in the afternoon and I turned down, uh, left the narrow street heading to Scoozies with my seven-year-old. About a quarter of the way down the street, there was about 20 young fellas, 16 to 20, all dressed in black, blocking the street completely. Found it difficult to get by them because they refused to move. I found it intimidating because I was with my small child. Why is this allowed to happen on a Saturday afternoon in the city, says Pat. And then on um, measles. Uh, Here we go again, frightening us again for the new year. Take our minds off refugees and Palestine and housing um, and talk about vaccines. They must have vaccines left over from COVID, I suppose. The vaccine from the above caused this outbreak. Um, but I'm, I'm not quite sure what that means the vaccine from the above uh, anyway vaccines are all dangerous every single one of them people are dropping like flies and the mortality rate has gone through the roof in the last three years since the rollout of all of these vaccines uh, I'm a hospital based healthcare worker employed by a private company recently our HR department asked us to complete an immunisation survey the question was vaccination against chickenpox, measles, TB and COVID I was born in 1980 and my parents didn't have my vaccination records. My mother remembers the vaccine controversy in the early 80s, so she wasn't sure if I'd had the jab. The HSE department, who held records, had no record of me. They told me that none of the listed conditions were listed as mandatory in the early 80s. No, it it would have changed with the MMR in 85. I choose to get blood tests done and it turns out I had immunity to all except TB. This means I either had the vaccine or I had the virus. Uh, My friend has three kids and all vaccinations were taken as children. Two are now autistic. He blames the vaccine, I should say actually rather than autistic, living with autism. He blames that vaccine and nothing will change his opinion. His life now is so hard. So this is a friend with three children. Two, all of them had the vaccination, which would be MMR, and two of them now live on the autism spectrum. Uh, I was vaccinated, got measles, got mumps. My children aren't vaccinated and have got nothing. Nor will they ever be vaccinated. And then the couple from bullying from this morning. There is a totally other side to bullying that's in the workplace by adults. Workplace bullying is soul-destroying. Thank God it hasn't happened to me, but I know one girl it happened to workplace bullying and it has destroyed her. This is another one. This is exactly why youth workers should be employed inside schools. People like Colette let teachers teach academics and others focus on personal and social development. Neil, you can poo-poo this all you like, but is anyone getting their heads kicked in anymore? It seems to me that a few ass whoopings would have saved a few lives in the past, says Richie. The way things used to be done, sissy. Uh, we'll pick up with calls after the break. Pick up the phone on 0818 Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. 
FM. That's right. Uh, get involved in the conversation. The Neil Prendival Show with Mercedes Benz Cork. Text 0868104106. I'll talk to Angela in a few minutes' time and get back to other texts and emails. I promise you that. But I want to talk to Professor Jamie O'Higgins Norman. He's the director at DCU. They've got an anti bullying centre there, and he joins me by phone. Uh, Jamie, good morning. Um, just good morning, actually. It's James, not Jamie. Sorry. I'm sorry. It says Jamie here. My apologies for that, James. No problem. Um, just, just, a, just a quick recap because yesterday we had a, a very alarming conversation with the mother of a child living with autism in first year. Interestingly, then, that was followed up by an email this morning from a young girl who's now in her, a woman in her 40s who was bullied from 13 to 16, so much so that she moved to school. It's uh, interesting that, unfortunately, the bullied individual, a child, moves school, but the bullies never seem to do. I spoke with Colette Wolf then, who's literally written the book on it because her own daughter, Leanne, took her own life at 18. She left a diary behind. And one of the points that Colette was making was that um, they tried to make things better for Leanne while she was alive. But when reading her diary after she died, she found that they, because of the parental intervention, made things worse. Um, it's hard to know where to pick up with you on this because I think parents feel helpless, don't they? Yes, um, they often do feel helpless. Every every parent who um, puts a school uniform on the child and sends them out to school um, today wants that child to have a good day, um, enjoy their their time at school, and be happy. Um, so when that, that, that when that isn't the case, then parents, you know, they want to fix it. They want to um, make it okay for the child, and they want to make sure ultimately their child feels safe at school. It's not a job that's just for parents, though. It's a job that. Um, Everybody who's involved in education has a role in prevention and intervention uh, around bullying. So the school has a role and as well as the parents. And I think the first thing we need to do if we're concerned about bullying is have a conversation with the school, maybe a class teacher or um, somebody in a kind of a pastoral responsibility in school, like a year ahead or wherever it might be, and have a conversation with them. Uh, now, we know from our research at DCU that often teachers don't hear those conversations very well because they become anxious themselves about um, how to uh, mm. how to deal with the problem and sometimes they feel it's a reflection on them that bullying is happening in their class mm. so the, the first thing there is nobody is to blame and everybody has to realise that apart from the person who's, in, who's engaging in the bullying behaviour, everyone else here is, is kind of, you know, starting behind that and uh, needs to support each other in trying to address the problem Okay, but in the past, traditionally, bullying would be, say, one-to-one, face-to-face a group against one but now it's much more sinister and we've certainly been dealing with this today and yesterday with the use of smartphone technology and bullying using a phone um, I, I, I did read some stats from Turn to Me the National Mental Health Charity who said that one in four and 12% of post-primary school children have been bullied and online bullying it's 14% of primary school students and 12% for post-primary so you could say in some cases it's nearly, it's nearly two in ten and in post-primary, it's a lot. It's it's at least one in ten child, uh, and online an awful lot yeah. worse. So the schools really probably feel that they don't have responsibility for what happens on a phone or outside school. Okay, well, I, I'm, I'm I'm not sure those those um, statistics. I'm not sure how they came up with those. Um, we we've been monitoring um, you know this for over 20 years here at the research centre in DCU, and our our, our data would show that 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 primary school is actually a worse place for 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 offline bullying and uh, than than post primary, um, and certainly the upper years in primary and the lower years in post primary are kind of the, the the worst time in a, in a child or a teenager's life. But regardless of what the numbers are, there's only one if there's only one child bullied, it's too it's too much. Yeah. Um, 
what we also know is that this idea that um, bullying is, you know, that there's two there's two realms where bullying happens, offline and online. Um, that's really not a uh, helpful way to talk about it anymore. Kids live blended lives, so um, we have to just think about bullying as something that happens. It spills online, it spills offline, um, and we need to think about dealing with it in its totality. Um, and also, we need to be very clear that in terms of dealing with bullying online, uh, we need the support from the social media company, Parents need to familiarise themselves with how to report problems online and also schools need to also be proactive in terms of understanding social media and how it works. Schools are not um, isolated places behind walls anymore. They exist within a wider network of relationships online and offline. So if a child has been bullied uh, online, it's most likely not by a stranger, but by someone they know from school. So there is a role for the school to be involved in facilitating a resolution there, but there, it doesn't mean the school has to have all the answers. As I said before, it must be done in partnership with everybody who can help the situation. Um, but it's not its not that the schools have to be the only ones fixing it, but they do have a role in addressing that problem and facilitating a, re- a resolution. Yeah, yeah. I, unfortunately, though, some of the stories that I've been hearing, they've been found wanting in that. Um, um. I, I'm absolutely aware of that and, and I hear those stories myself every day. We get phone calls here as well. Um, and unfortunately, I would say the reason why schools tend to be wanting is a lack of training for teachers and how to deal with this problem. And that has to be traced right back to teacher education programs where, where there needs to be more um, uh, training on how to deal with bullying and, and recognise that bullying isn't just one-off uh, or... or face-to-face or individual-to-individual. It's a whole societal issue. Um, and like, kids don't tend to get bullied because they're the same as everyone else. It tends to be kids who look different or who sound different or who act different who get targeted. And, um, and so there's a role for education about difference here as well That's uh, from a preventative point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting um, that you say that because in the case yesterday... Uh, Char's son is in first year and is living with autism, so he has his own um, his own way of of living his life. Um, he, he he would then be seen by others as being a perfect bullying target, right? But you you wonder what well, motivates the bully. Yeah, well, but people bully for different reasons. Like the, the classic pathological bully, which is very rare, they've grown up in a home where aggression is the norm and they carry that out into the world with them and they, they um, exhibit that at school on other students. Um, but then people bully because they're uncomfortable in a situation. Maybe it's their first time encountering difference and they don't know how to deal with that and they feel uncomfortable so they act out in a negative way. At the heart of all bullying scenarios uh, is a power differential. And it might be that it's an individual power. I might be physically stronger or more intelligent than you, and I use that in a negative way. Or it might be that the group I belong to have more power in society, and that that gives me a sense of importance over you because you're so obviously part of a minority. Um, so, P- so it always comes back to the sense of power that the person who bullies um, feels they have, and the lack of power that the other person feels they and have. And do you, do you know whether bullies, when they grow up then and go through secondary school and get on with their lives? Or whatever that is, do they remain like that, aggressive, bullying, controlling type people? Or is it something that they grow out of with maturity and and then end up regretting and have guilt over, I wonder? Do you know, uh, uh, 
students in schools bully because it actually has a benefit for them. Um, people will admire them. People will uh, stay away from them. People will let them do what they want. Uh, they, it actually serves a purpose for them. And so they will continue doing it until something changes, either the context changes or somebody more powerful than them steps in and points out that what they're doing isn't right. So some bullies will go on and carry that behaviour in, in, in life with them because it has worked for them. And research has told has shown us that often those people will continue to um, uh, do that, but the, uh, when they're doing it with adults in the workplace or in their relationships at home, whatever, the consequences can be very serious for them themselves themselves. So it's not if you're acting in a bullying way, if that's your modus operandi, uh, it's not conducive to forming uh, close intimate relationships for example. Mm. It's not a, it's not conducive to having good colleagues and work. So often a person whose behaviour doesn't change goes on to be quite an isolated individual in life. What is the advice then if it doesn't change in school? Let's say that, you know, no matter what avenue one goes down, talks to the principal, uh, you know, they, 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 they try and intervene, you know, send a solicitor's letter to talk to the guards, get in touch with Tussler. Is, is it finally an option that the child just changed, the bullied child changes school? We, we never, we're always slow to suggest that because it kind of makes the, um, kind of, it kind of leaves the situation where the bully, bullying child is the same and kind of allows them to win in that situation. But in, if, if everything else is failing, in the end of the, at the end of the day, you want your child to feel safe and to be safe. And if the school environment isn't providing that, regrettably, as a last resort, it might be the best thing to do to help your child have a different experience of themselves somewhere else. But as I say, in doing that, those who are engaging in the bullying behaviour in effect have uh, gone unchecked and will continue to bully and it's unfortunate that the child themselves who is the target um, finds themselves having to move yeah. but it's a last resort, I, I wouldn't recommend it as a first resort and I also would say it's very regretful when that happens because ultimately you're having to change your life and, and disrupt it because of someone else's behaviour. But do bullies ever get expelled? Well, we have to remember that schools have a duty of care to all their students, including those who might engage in bullying behaviour. So when when a school is informed that somebody is engaging in bullying behaviour, there are are things that they need to do there and they have an obligation to do in terms of that child and help them to reflect on their behaviour, provide them with whatever help and support they need, maybe it's psychological or counselling or whatever it might be, to reflect on on, on why they're behaving that way. Um, and often it can be frustrating for the parent of the child who is being bullied because they do, they can't see, they want to see a punishment or they want to see an expel, a child being expelled yeah. or whatever it might yeah. be, um, and some kind of retribution for what's happened to their child. But in the background, the school is probably also working with that child who engaged in the bullying behaviour to try and help them become a better, a better person and, and their from what has happened. Yeah, and, and all that happens to some extent is that if the bully is expelled, moves to a different school, I don't know how across the um, uh, the, the um, yeah. sad life of, of Bryony Gay you are in the UK, Scarlett Jenkinson and Eddie Ratcliffe, uh, 16-year-olds, the sadistic killing of this, of this young girl. In the case of Scarlett Jenkinson, she had moved school from another school um, where mm-hmm. she was also engaging in very, very, very suspect behaviour. But I'm not sure that the school that you moved to knew anything about it. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, and that points to the to, to uh, the government has published at the end of 2022 a national action plan on bullying. It's called Kinaltis, and it calls out the need for what we what we what we named the whole education approach. A, we we used to talk about a whole school approach where uh, the school was given all the power to try and deal with the issue themselves, and we now recognise that the whole education system has to respond to this and uh, talk to each other and support each other and resource each other in terms of how to um, deal with these situations. So that's everyone from the Minister for Education to the social media companies to the academics to the parents, the teachers, the community guards, everybody has to be involved in putting in place responses to these kind of situations. Mm. Uh, Those those examples you gave there are really extreme examples. In most cases, bullying is actually um, tackled very well by our schools. Uh, A resolution is found and that resolution may be just, look, we'll everybody leave each other alone, okay? And stay out of each other's way. And that's negotiated. Um, But in most cases, the bullying will be dealt with and will be, a solution will be found. But only if the parents of the bully are on board. In one particular case, uh, the children's parents were brought into the school, but they were in complete denial. They said, I don't believe Mm -hmm. it. My son isn't like that or my daughter isn't like that. Prove it. Yeah, and that's a very different situation for a school to be in if the parents aren't cooperative, you know. And and parents, you know, usually are defensive about their children and won't want to see the, anything wrong in, in their behaviour. But actually, anyone can be a bully given the right context or anyone can be bullied given the right context. And I think as as um, adults in, involved in, in education, we all have to recognise that, you know, we, we, we need to be open to the fact that children sometimes bully and sometimes are bullied. Just finally then, for parents that are listening to this and, and their role, uh, should should parents be asking more questions about how their child is getting on? How, how was your day? What are your friends like? Um, is that, you know, or, or what should they be picking mm-hmm. up on? So I think maintaining open communication with children is really important. It's really old-fashioned advice, you know, even though we're living in an age where kids are living blended lives online and offline, whatever. Having some time every day where you're checking in with your child in in a um, non-invasive way, uh, having some fun with them, having chats with them, keeping those lines of communication open so that when there is a problem, they might be more likely to tell you. But we know from our research, children are very reluctant to tell adults um, about uh, bullying when it occurs. And the reason for that is uh, they, they, they feel that the adult might make it worse they fear that the adult might take their um, their smartphone away from them and also they feel in a way that the bullying might be their fault um, and there is some, they can sometimes carry some shame around that. So we need to, way in, way in advance of any bullying occurring, we need to make sure that our kids know we will do our best not to make it worse, we won't take their smartphone away from them and that it's never their fault if they're bullied. But how would they pick up, what are the signs? Are the signs like child won't go to school, complains of tummy pains, wants to stay home, is quiet, Mm -hmm. withdrawn, comes home with bruises, is missing possessions, for instance, that may have been taken by the bully. Is it things like that? All of that, um, but the the baseline for starting your assessment is what is the norm for your child? Remember, especially when the children are in their teens, they're going to be moody and withdrawn and they're going to um, have you know, days that are better than other days. But so you need to know what is my child normally like and if I have an established 
good, open, warm relationship with them, then I'll be able to notice and understand what these different things happening are and what they mean. But yeah, I mean, if a child is reluctant to go to school, if they're avoiding uh, certain school on certain days of the week, if they've changed the route for going to school, if they're, um, if they're you know, if, if there's a change in, in, in their behaviour, or, I mean, very seldom bullying becomes physical. So, you know, but if there are bruises, of course, we'd ask, we yeah. would want to ask questions. Yeah. But that's the extreme end of the, of the scale of, of bullying. Okay, we covered a lot of ground this morning, James. Thank you so much for, for taking the time. I hope it's helpful to people. Much obliged, Professor James O'Higgins-Norman from DCU's Anti-Bullying Centre. We've got calls on the way. Pick up the phone, text 0868 104 106. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. And you can text 0868 104 106. The, um, I know I spoke to Dr. James, Professor James, but the National Health Mental Health Charity Turn to Me launched um, a, a support group there recently. Um, it was at back end of last year, but they did have some interesting statistics. They said that bullying is usually regarded as repeated, intentional, negative or aggressive acts by one person against another. Um, in fact, uh, I think it could even be a group of people against another. Children in minority groups because of ethnicity, sexual orientation, because they have special needs or they're in a different socioeconomic group, can all be vulnerable. Um, there was one woman from Cork who was uh, spoken to as part of the research, said that her son endured bullying in primary and secondary school and said the bullies honed in on the fact that he wasn't a lad's lad. And as a result of that, her son actually believed the bullying was his own fault. Of course, we all know there can be more than face-to-face in school. It can be online forums, it can be on social media, it can be in group messaging. So we would call that cyberbullying. Um, and it's primary and secondary. Uh, but even in primary school, um, they say statistically that the bullying tends to intensify and increase in the older classes of uh, primary school uh, and also in the lower classes of secondary school. Uh, and then when you go into secondary school, apparently my understanding of it is as the years go by within secondary school, it's less and less, I suppose, comes with a bit of maturity. But uh, let me talk to Angela, if you don't mind, because uh, I had hoped to talk to her earlier. So my apologies, Angela, for, for keeping you waiting. Good morning. No problem. Um, it's a very difficult conversation to you to have with me because um, all, all, <laughs> yeah. all you would wish to do is protect your child and not to see them suffering with, stra- with trauma. And let me just warn people that some parts of the conversation may well be upsetting. Um, how, how, how is she? She's good. She's good. She's good. She's after coming on bones. Bones still not there. Still not there where I'd love her to be. Mm. Whether that will ever come, I don't know. But yeah. she's good. Okay. But but for a period of time, things were very very bad. So much so that she was self harming. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 She was cutting herself. Yeah. She's she's done her ties, her belly, her wrists. Yeah. That yeah. is so alarming for anybody to hear, particularly a parent. And and yeah, it just spoke out to me yesterday when I was listening to that woman, and she was saying, well, she doesn't know what to do. Take him out. Don't ever put him back into that school. If that's the reply she's already after getting off the school, take that boy out. It doesn't matter if he doesn't even attend school until she finds somewhere, because his life is more important. So that would be my advice to her. Yeah, well, thank you for it. You don't hold back. Yeah. That would be your solution. No, I to don't. It. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. 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 So I've reached that stage in my life where I won't hold back, no, because life is important. Okay. Life I'm, is important, and that's my child, you know. I'm not going to do anything, including age, to identify your daughter because, um, you know, I okay. want to protect her own anonymity. But do, was it issues in primary school? 
Well, no, it was just, um, she did, like, going to secondary school, there was a bit of trauma going on in the li- our lives. Like, I am... Um, Unfortunately, I had cancer, so she thought she was going to lose mammy. Oh, and, God. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, so there was, there, there was, the anxiety was always there. She does suffer with anxiety a very, very long time. Even before I was sick myself. Like, if it's raining outside today, God love her, it's, it's raining today, it could flood. It, 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 something will go wrong, you know, this kind of thing. Like, that. that's the kind of the way she lives her day. She, like, she amplifies anxiety. and magnifies everything. Everything. Oh, everything. You name it. She, it's bad. I wonder. Know? I and wonder why. I wonder why. Um, well, she's seen. She she is getting help. I've got her help, and she's still there at the minute and stuff like that. So because she's on anxiety medication now, they're waiting for that to really, really kick in to see can they then diagnose maybe like for ADHD or yeah. something like that. Okay. You know, okay. because. Okay, just, so, so yeah, she, it overtakes she, her in a big way. She was living with that anyway, in spite of what what happened. In school? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, primary was amazing because the support that there was there and she had loads of friends. People would knock at the door. She's a really bubbly, sporty, outgoing, cool person. Do you know that kind of way? She yeah. can make anyone laugh if she yeah. tries, do you know? Yeah. This is her. But then you can see her with the clothes over her a lot. Do you know? She, she walk into that room and she's down and gloomy because there's something bad going to happen. You know, that kind of a way. So, um, yeah, when she just moved to the secondary, I just went and spiralled and spiralled from bullying. And the school just, in my eyes, absolutely nothing. No support. And like that, I was saying, she's gone into first year, so it takes it takes ages for people to band, you know, they, they find groups. And then all this, well, she didn't find anybody because she was so deep in herself, you know, with everything that I went through myself. And just, like, she was looking at mommy going through all this. Is my mum going to die? Am I going to lose my mother? To that, that's going into first year when you're a hormonal teenager, anyway. So you know, so that she was, was a target for my. There, there you have it. Yeah, I was just going to say yeah, that. That was, then she became was a very, very easy target, and then because of her anxiety, that just you know, God love her. Like she's been through through a lot for her age. I think she's been through so much at her age that some adults haven't even experienced it. Yes. Was it one individual, or was it a group of secondary school kids? It it was a group. It ended up being a group, yeah. There was always the ringleader, but then there was a group, yeah. And And was it face-to-face, and and was it online, and was it... Everything, everything. Oh, everything. They had Mimi's made up or her face on it. Keep cutting yourself, you're not doing it deep enough. Everything, yeah. Everything. Do they realise what they're saying, though? I don't don't know, I don't know. Like, I'd be a very open-minded person... So, like, for me, to t- like, I talk to my kids about feelings because I think some people don't like to do that, where I do. Um, so I'd be, like, saying to her, like, I teach her how to do breathing now with her anxiety and stuff like that. Breathe it in, breathe it out, get rid. Do you know, this is kind of where I'm at in life. So it came to a stage where I was telling her, I was like, you know, this bully that didn't this to you today and he did that really hurt her. Um, I was like, there's obviously something sad in his life. Do you know what I mean? Maybe he likes you, or, or you know what I mean? Like, you could end up being friends, but it just escalated. The more it was going on, and the more then I contacted the school. Okay. And Did you present replies. the school, did you present the school with the what? text, the messages and everything? Everything, everything, yeah, everything. First it was, we need more proof, we need more proof. Um, right, try to get more proof. Then my daughter said, 
Okay. And okay. I'll be careful. So I'd be careful. Don't identify your daughter in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's in, it's just out of respect for her. But so, did, yeah. So so I just get lost when I'm talking. Your grass, you're listening. It's so close to you. I understand. I understand. But it just when did you actually discover yourself that she was harming herself? Um, it would have been about the middle of first year. Yeah. Do you mind me asking how you dis- do you mind me asking how you discovered um, it? She she how I discovered it. Um she was showering and um right. she was trying to she, when when I I was doing bits and pieces around upstairs and when she was going for the shower she was being too cautious for herself. I was like, What's the story? I know you're cautious at that age anyway, but mammy, but my kids aren't, you know, we're all girls and there's boys and we know how to hold ourselves and yeah. but around me she was always comfortable. Yeah. And yeah, so I was like, Show me what's wrong and then I just saw the cuts. Yeah. You must your life must have collapsed when you saw that though. Yeah, 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 that was hurtful. like hurtful in so many ways. Do you know what I mean? It was like my poor child, my poor child. Do you know, it's it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's overwhelming, very, very overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, she had so much to deal with, including, incidentally, school and schoolwork, which was, must really have suffered as well as everything else. Um, 100%. Did her teachers yeah, pick and up on... No, that's the, ma- that's the amazing thing about her. It's, she loves geography, history, she loves math, she wants to learn. Even her pre's are just over there now, and it was like... There was a lot going on for her, and she was like, "I hope I did well. I hope I did well." And she was, she, she sat down and write pages and pages on on studying. Mm. And it's just it, the school was just so they, they let her down. It's simple as that. They let her down. But did and any teacher pick up on her? It. Did any any of the teachers help in any way? And the teachers like there's letters gone in from psychotherapists and GPs and stuff like that to the school, and the school just it was like as if she was too much bother for them. Do you know that kind of way? They didn't want to deal with it. Like, with her anxiety, she, sometimes it would overtake her when the bully is around her too much. And she's, she has panic attacks. So she needs to get up and walk out of the classroom. In school, there's rules. You can't just get up and walk out of a classroom. That's totally understandable. Do you know, there's rules. But for her, it was meant to be very different under the circumstances yeah, from the letters. Yeah, yeah. So they were meant to also give her, like, a carriage that she was able to lift. As I said, I need to leave now. Do you know, without interrupting any of the class. Do you know, the, to bring each teacher was aware of this. Angela, so your daughter's happened. case is one of the most extreme I've ever heard. Yeah. Would like you hold up happened. the... She never got that blue card. Like, and also, when her suicidal thoughts were there, and she, you could see her going into school with that clothes, I was like, oh God, would, you, like, would she just perk up a little bit and give me that smile? Do you know, you'd be praying for that kind of a thing cut out of her. So then one day she went into school so bad, I'm like, I'm definitely going to get a call to go back up and get her. I knew it was going to happen. But I got that call because of what a, a teacher's statement to my daughter, even though I was after having principal meetings and they were to email each teacher to bring it aware yeah. and all this type of stuff. And that, so like that. She said to her, you, you look so bad, you look like you're going to kill yourself. Like you want to kill yourself today. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's coming from a teacher. Like, like even if any of the people in that school know, is listening, they know who, who I'm talking about, you know? Like, to hear that from so, a professional. Yeah. Well, what, was, what was the last straw? In the, because I, I believe your daughter moved to a different school because of this. Is oh, there yeah. A- yeah, they're, they're amazing. Absolutely. That's why I say, if anybody is getting a badge... 
if you have an issue with your child and you're, you're going and going to the school and you're speaking to the principal and you're speaking to the airhead and you're speaking to this person and you're speaking to that person and you know and you're getting nowhere and your child is still unhappy take your child out of that school because I, I kept her there for the first year and then I said we'll try again because like you don't want to be running away from all your problems in life you know and so did like, you tell the school was, like when did, older. so what was the reaction from the school and you said I'm taking her out of this school I didn't I didn't do it that way right I they told me that I was saying I, I did say to them I'm going to have to take her out of this school if something isn't done she was she was physically hurt by this bully like and it, it, they called it a bad tackle my daughter was good at football that boy didn't like the fact she was good at football yeah. and I saw the recording of the tackle and myself and my husband were sitting in the office with the principal when he was showing us and I mean we gasped when we saw it right because right. he w- she had the ball and she had the better part. she had it she was going to get it and he did- and he came running out of nowhere and he bounced off her and she went a good few feet across the, the floor yeah. and hurt all her arm and the back of her head was bruised and stuff like that from that and they were like but it was a bad tackle yeah that was the last straw then was it yeah after that then she was like ma'am I just want to stay like this is what I'm saying she wants to learn so bad she'd, she'd love not to get loads of A's and stuff like that because she loves learning and when she learns something she's really excited that she learns it you know mm. and she to me I wanted to move her I was like we just we just move and she was like ma'am you have to understand if I move now because she's very open minded like myself I don't know what work they're going to be on and I want to pass my junior cert yeah do you know, because she wants to be able to do that. Yeah. But obviously the school wasn't supportive enough yeah. and they're just a disgrace, to be honest, which is the way so they when you, it. So you, you, you look, you disgrace. found another secondary school? I was, yeah, yeah. they're amazing. Absolutely and, amazing. And, and, and were there, there was no repetition of all of the intimidation, the bullying, the harassment, no? That followed on, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it has. Oh, <laughs> Believe no. it or not, it has. But that school is so more helpful and understanding and caring for all the world, you know? I, I know. know teacher, some people just look at it as, that's my job, I teach, that's it. They're human beings, they're kids. They're, you know, it's not. The, 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 the mental health is very, very important in kids today. But, it's you really, know, really so the, the repeated, intentional, negative, aggressive acts against her... Is it a new group in this next same sc- new no, school? No, what it was, what, what's actually after happening is um, one of the main ringleaders uh, got thrown out of the other school and went to this school. So it was like a followed her, that little Oh, followed that's her. bad luck. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Look, I'd be lucky to get her through her junior start. And if I get that out of her as a mother and as of everything that she's been through as a, as a child, because she still is only a child, like I applaud her to get that far. Because she's doing amazing. And is she getting help in this regard? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. She regularly goes to camps. Yeah. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. So you're always on alert. It's a, it's a constant oh, worry when, when there should be an awful lot more happiness and excitement. You're always should, watching yeah. for signs yeah. or, you know. Something, yeah. The sadness. The, yeah, yeah. It's constantly there, all right, yeah. Like, she has scares now and stuff like that. And, but she's, as I said, from where she's come, where she was and where she come from, in that school to where she is now, she's amazing. And she's she's really getting there, okay. you know, and okay. I just hope it gets better. 
So your advice is to back to where we started the conversation just to finish um, from yesterday's conversation say with Char whose son is in first year living with autism is just don't be wasting your time just take him out Don't She's wasting too much time and that's her child's happiness and like I know I know it's important to have school and and understand life and all solid weeks I know and it never even contacts with me like Mm. so Just don't waste some more time, girl. Take him out and keep your child happy and get him in somewhere where you know. Because you know, you'll know yourself when your child is happy, like, you know, so. Okay, Angela, I wish you the best of luck. And more importantly, I wish your daughter the very best of luck with everything. And good luck with her exams. Thank you. Um, Incidentally, if anybody found any of that conversation disturbing, you can always call Samaritans. They're there to help and listen uh, on 116123. 116123. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Certainly do. Uh, get involved in the conversation. Text 0868104106. That's exactly what Jane did. Jane, good morning. Your um, good morning, your yeah. daughter is is alarmingly young, um, uh, yeah. a, a little child in senior infants. Senior infants. Yeah, she's six years old, um, and it started around November, just before Christmas. Now you clearly um, know that I, I don't wish to know your daughter's name, nor. Indeed, yeah. the name of the school, difficult and all as that will be. But yeah. um, bullying in senior infants, um, you must have said it to the primary school, though. I did, of course. Yeah, it started with some face making. And then um, she got slapped across the face and went to the school and called the teacher out. Now, before the slap happened, I had spoken to the teacher through a call and I had voiced that I was concerned about this other little girl. I said, I'm really worried. My daughter is worried. It's causing anxiety. She doesn't want to go to school anymore. Can you please keep an eye so that this doesn't go any further? And then it went further and she got slapped across the face by this other little girl. She had to be brought off yard and have a nice pack put on her face while she was upset after this happened. Right. Okay. Um, it took multiple times going to the school, and what what we got was the school said because we didn't actually use the word bullying, it wasn't taken as seriously as it should have been. Like I'm, I'm trying to think myself here through the eyes of, of six year olds in the playground or in the class. They're going to be boisterous. There's going to be horseplay. They're going to be. Yeah. They don't know where to put their hands or their legs. They're lashing out. That I'm trying to look right. at. I'm trying to look at the intentionality of it all. You know. Yeah. So my daughter, this this other girl was particularly friends with another girl. My daughter and this other girl were placed together at a table. They got very friendly. Then the bullying started. There was a lot of jealousy around her being friends with this other girl. Okay. 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 And that's where it all started kicking off. And went to the school, pushed for an investigation. Um, they decided to do an investigation. It was about a month before we got the investigation. And the investigation involved watching the girls for a week and a half. And if something happened during that week and a half, then the child that was bullying would have to sign a promise contract. The child? And the child, yeah, would have to sign a promise contract to not do it again and learn from their mistakes. There was no parents involved. There was no parents contacted. And because nothing happened during that week, there was no promise. It was There was nothing done about it. That was it. It was closed. But if it had happened, the six-year-old would have had to sign 
a promise contract. Like, is that, that some kind of a? Is that, she's six years old. It's, it's not a legal document. It's just kind of like a. Promise. No, it's just a promise to not bully this child anymore. Crikey! I never but heard of one of those. Days, I thought you'd call. I thought you'd call in the parents and say, "Listen, your daughter or exactly. your son is a bit is a bit free with the hands and is slapping and hitting yeah. another child because that could be quite serious." That's all we wanted. We wanted to stop it before it was getting more physical or more upsetting. You know, my daughter's sleeping with us at night. She doesn't want to go to school in the morning. It's clearly affecting her. Totally. And she has an issue with emotional regulation. She's actually on a, uh, an emotional support plan at school the month before they started. And this has regressed her and the school refused to acknowledge that the regression has come from this. Two days, Neil, after the investigation was closed, she got pushed to the ground by this same child. Yeah, I know. She's been tormented, all right. She's been tormented, all right. Because this child admitted it and apologised straight away, they felt like that was good. And at any stage, does the parents of the tormentor, as they call him, brought in mm-hmm. to meet no, the... She's no, she's not aware. So the parents are blissfully not, unaware. They don't, they're not even aware that the child had an investigation open on them. You'd never, the you'd never broach not. the subject with the parents, would you know? I considered it. I considered it, you know, but I was trying to not be angry and bullheaded about it. I wanted to take a step back and say, right, look, the school, give them a chance to handle this. But it's got to the point now where... I don't have any faith in the school. My daughter has no faith in the school. When she was asked what she wanted to come out of this, all she wanted was the principal to sit down with this girl and her parents and just tell them that it's not okay and have them promise that they would talk to her and it wouldn't happen again. But that's not going to happen. That's bizarre that the parents wouldn't be called in by the principal. I thought so too. I was shocked that the parents would, but because the school takes a no blame, no shame approach, they don't get the parents involved unless a promise contract has been broken. <laughs> but you can't, re- you can't reason. You can't reason with a six-year-old in senior no. infants like as if they're an adult. Like you know, you, no, you can't, they don't know about cautions. They don't, and it gives the the people that are bullying a chance to do it multiple times before it's actually taken seriously. Okay, I'll, I'll pick up after. Thank you, Jane. I'll hope to get back to you after eleven o'clock um, because I'm over time right now. But do get involved. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We'll pick it up in the next hour. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Yes, indeed. The Neil Prenderville Show with Mercedes Benz Cork. Now um, I know we're heading into Valentine's, but there's a lovely event on tonight. Your opportunity to go and get romantic and get in ahead of the celebrations for Valentine's at Cypress Avenue. You, 7 o'clock this evening. All of the proceeds for this Love Songs Only Night, it's celebrating Valentine's and Love Songs and it's a, a big loved up night. All of the proceeds go to a Marymount Hospice. There's a prize for the best dressed. I say the best dressed actually because they're encouraging people to come dressed up like as if you were going to the proms. So it could be from the 50s, your dress style could be 50s, 60s, 70s would be interesting, wouldn't it? 80s or 90s. And there's live music from Pontius Pilate and the Nail Drivers and the Beetle Bums. And it's hosted by uh, Mia Gold and it's a big night. Tickets can be bought on Eventbrite. They're 20 euro each. Go with a bunch of friends or pals. You'll have a great night. It's tonight in Cypress Avenue. Doors at 7pm. So enjoy it. Now, I know I started the programme this morning talking about a letter that's been sent out by Presentation Brothers College on the Mardike. 
Um, it's important as a student safety notice and they're asking parents to speak to your son um, because they've been aware of a number of students from city centre schools subjected to unwarranted attention and intimidation from a number of youths. Now that's putting it mildly. So they're asking parents to uh, uh, speak to your son Ask them to avoid quieter side streets as much as possible and not to be on their own, uh, to stay in groups. An awful thing to be saying, isn't it? Um, Just again, showing how unsafe Cork City can be for people of all ages. But the targeting of students coming from secondary school, I don't know whether it's they go after, you know, fellas in uniform or it's particular schools that they're interested in harassing. Um, I did see this morning of somebody texting saying... um, I was queuing to get something to eat in Scoozies with my family on Bank Holiday Monday and outside the restaurant, two fellas ran down the laneway. One of them had a claw hammer in his hands. Uh, no guards to be seen in the city, I can tell you, all afternoon. Um, I don't know, and I, I just don't know. It goes from bad to worse. And so now you have Prez sending out letters to um, parents to be alert with regards to the movements of their um, sons and whatever the case may be. Um, Ask your son the question as to where do you go after school and how are you travelling home and travel home in groups. It's very alarming. It really and truly is. Text 0868104106. I just wanted to finish the conversation with Jane regarding her uh, daughter in senior infants. Um, and Jane, re- re- you're, you're very alert to this, Jane, because um, you did say in your text that both your husband and yourself were bullied in primary school as well. Yes, um... I was from a very young age, from five years old. So I'm very aware that it starts early. And if it's not nipped fast, it will continue. And in your own case as a five-year-old, was it similar to what your daughter's now going through? It it was. It was even more aggressive. Yeah, it was very difficult. Um, Name calls. I was pulled up by the throat behind the school. Um, it, It was awful. It was awful, you know, kids would invite me to parties just so they could laugh and call me names. And it was it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. And I'm terrified that she's going to have to go through something similar. I can understand exactly why you would be on red alert. And, and in your case, yeah. did it improve or disimprove as you went through primary and secondary? Uh, it improved for me um, in secondary. Um, but I was also going to a different school. So maybe that had to do with it. But, you know, that is where we're at right now with my daughter. We're considering pulling her because this scares us. Um, If this is how it's dealt with, how far does it have to go? And if this is how they're setting, how they deal with this, they're, know, dealing with it, they're dealing with it by not dealing well, with it. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we've tried countless times to get a meeting with the principal. It hasn't happened. We've been met with either reception or the teacher. And the teacher said, if we're not happy about how it's being handled, complain about the teacher. We complained about the teacher. And how that is dealt with is by talking to the teacher. Who talked and to the teacher? We, we did. Like, that's how it was handled. We, we're we still trying to get a meeting with the principal over this. Yeah, and at no and stage is the parents of the child brought in to alert them. That's bizarre. They're not. And it's ridiculous. That's all she wanted when we asked her. And you know what's even more heartbreaking, Neil, is she feels like she has to take this into her own hands now. On her emotional support programme, she gets to leave as a treat once a week. And she gets to bring a friend. 
And she has decided this week that she's going to ask this girl that's harassing her because she wants to show her how we should be kind to each uh, other and respect right. each other. Right. And she's six she's years old. She's and got she's wisdom. Her own yeah, she's got wisdom for a six-year-old, you know? yeah. And, like, that shouldn't be on her shoulders to feel like I have to show this other girl this is how it should be handled because no one's helping me. Yeah, I can understand why you're very alert to it and you're very sensitive having gone through it yourself and you say your husband as well. Uh, I don't, I don't, what's your next move? We're trying to get a meeting with the principal. And if, if this, we need something done. We need something. All we want is this child and the parents to be alerted so it's on their radar so it can stop. If that would be, stops, yeah. I would be very persistent about, about that meeting. I really would. Yeah. I would be but very if persistent. We can, I don't feel like the school is very supportive at all. Okay. And it terrifies me to think she's got another six years then ahead of this. So the option then is to move her. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. Do stay in touch, will you, and let us know what happens next. Of course. All right. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Much obliged. Take Thank care. You. On the bullying in schools, I'm in my mid forties now, male, and I was bullied in secondary school for years. I had acne, which was very strong acne. I worked after school in the local shop, and my pocket money went on acne medication each month. But it did not help it much. I trained every day after school, before work, and showered daily. My nickname given to me was Pizza Face. Uh, My family came from a military family and we had the old army jumpers, the big green ones with the school crest sewn on by one of my neighbours. The six-year-olds, the six years were terrible, uh, but I had my friends and they accepted me and helped me out. One teacher, my English teacher, was the worst. They would give snide remarks and were flirting with the popular boys who gave me the nickname. On completing the six years and getting a decent result in my leaving certificate, I joined the military myself. After a few years and a trip to the Middle East, my acne became normal. Sun is an anti-inflammatory for acne and swimming in the Dead Sea also helped with it. My life progressed on. I met my wife and we had kids. The scars from that period in my life still linger and it comes back every now and then. We are conscious about the bullying in school even more due to my own experiences. But the major difference I see now is that the bullying can follow kids home. When I left school and came home, I had respite. Now, with all of these apps, there is no off time. Can't come on, but I appreciate sharing this with others as it may help. Thank you for that. Uh, It's not the easiest thing in the world to open up to your own past in a a way like that. Uh, Talking about bullies, the world is cruel and people are cruel. There's a lot of pressure nowadays for both young and old. Facebook, etc. is causing lots of problems. Be honest, I think bullying is here to stay, unfortunately. I know because I was bullied over 40 years ago at secondary school. Uh, and can I tell you, you never forget it. Let me just read out the text because there are many. I just wanted to give you my opinion on bullying, if you can highlight it. I suffer from Tourette's and I get bullied a lot. I'm just wondering if anybody else has had the same problem. Uh, please keep my details pri- private. Maybe if they have, they may get in touch. Um, let's see. Who dictates the situation that they are too young, Neil, to answer to the wrongdoings that goes on in bullying? There is talk of bringing in voting for 16-year-olds. 17-year-olds can drive on the road, yet when they do wrong, they're classed as children. It doesn't add up, and change is needed fast, says Anthony. And one or two more ahead of the break. I'm listening to your segment on bullying. My son was bullied, excluded, and malicious lies were spread by his own friend group, supposedly. The school can only do so much. Parents are the ones that need to step up and lead by example. 
and hold their children accountable always for their behaviour. My daughter is in second class and the other day they had a class on cyber safety. She was asked to come up with one good idea to stay safe online. She said that all the negative comments online are not true and that you shouldn't believe them out of the mouth of babes. Uh, And they're doing that in second class, having cyber safety classes in second class. My daughter is six years old, attends a Cork school. She has had an issue with bullying this year and she's only in senior infants. We've also gone to the school on a number of occasions to ask for support and help in stopping this because it's gotten to the point where it's physical. Um, Slaps across the face, not wanting to go to school, complaining of tummy aches, feeling sick and wanting to stay at home. Uh, Her father and I do push the school and they eventually did open an investigation, but nothing else has been done. The parents of the child are not notified of their actions um, and issues like that. So there's a similar one to a live caller on the air again. Uh, talking about uh, senior instance. Um, how about self-defence classes? They should be mandatory for kids in primary school. Also, it helps them if they find themselves in a position outside school that they would be able to physically defend themselves or know what to do. Um, again, that, that raises the point then um, as to whether or not you know young people, teenagers or children should face up to bullies, as in square up to them, you know? Be courageous and brave. Uh, sometimes the bully backs down for the coward that they really are. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Yes, indeed, they do matter. And I'll come back to more texts and calls on this throughout the morning. And what I don't get to today, I'll come to tomorrow. Can I just change, actually, because... Um, Two different stories that are connected in one way, because in both cases, it involves people who use wheelchairs. One is an email with an attachment to it. Um, Let me read out the email first, and I'll tell you what the attachment actually says. Hoping you can read this out on air to avoid this happening to somebody else. My son has an intellectual disability and is a permanent wheelchair user. Yesterday, me and my husband had an appointment with him in the city. As the weather conditions were very bad, I had to drop my son and husband off at the door as the pathway wasn't suitable. I then proceeded to park our wheelchair car around the corner in a disabled parking space. When we got back to the car after the appointment, this letter was left on our windscreen. Uh, It's a printed message. The car is clearly labelled, our car is clearly labelled wheelchair. Just some people clearly decided not to look before leaving this upsetting note. Just because someone doesn't see a wheelchair user in the car doesn't mean there isn't one. For all they knew, I could have been collecting someone in a wheelchair. Also, I'd like to point out that you don't even need to be in a wheelchair to park in a disabled space. Having a child in a wheelchair is tough enough. Trying to navigate around, trying to find suitable parking, suitable pathways, accessible areas, without having to deal with the ignorance of some people leaving nasty notes like this on people's cars. I just hope that the person who did this is listening to your program right now and can hang their heads in shame. Thank you. Now, on the windscreen was um, a printed message on A4. In fact, from a colour printer. So... I don't know, do, does somebody keep a stash of these in their car to hand them out on windscreens? It says, nice parking, scumbag. You should be grateful you do not need a disabled parking place. Uh, photo sent to Gardaí, €150 Euro fine on the way. So, and it's big, it's shouting at the, off, the, off the page because it's in big, big print. Nice parking in black, 
scumbag, inverted comma, in red, you should be grateful you do not need a disabled parking place. Now, clearly this person um, needs some kind of intervention themselves because they're incapable of reading um, or going to the front of the car and seeing the disability sticker on it. Um, photo to Gardaí, €150 euro fine on the way. Anger. There's a lot of anger out there of that, can be sure. And and, and that's one story involving somebody who has a family member in a wheelchair. Here's the second one. Uh, Bernie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. What do you, just let me just ask you, as a listener to the programme, what do, you, what do you make of a sign like that on somebody's car? Nice parking scumbag. I did wish, yeah, my daughter had um, a brain tumour 22 years ago, so I'm dealing with abuse for the past 22 years, which, um, especially when it's raining. When I'm trying to park um, my Jeep and um, I just see somebody, especially outside Costa, having a cup of coffee and I just tip and I say, would you mind moving? And the, you know, the abuse that you get and you're told to just F off. It's a disgrace. Um, I and they're in, are, they in a, are they in a disability spot? Is that what it is? Oh yeah, into the disability spot, yeah. And um, the Deliveroo's down there um, in, in the old ESB, I don't know what the name of it is, um, they deliver um, the meals or they, they could, they, they could, I'm sorry now I'm very nervous speaking but anyway the cars parked in the footpath I have a tormenticus in, in my knee and um, the, the brake I'm dealing with that and they just don't care nobody cares about people in wheelchairs and you know I so just if they're in a disability spot you have people say to you F off yeah yeah and um, you even go over to Littles there and all the spots are taken up and, you know, I, I don't want to say who's using them constantly, but they just don't give a care. And But my main issue here now is my um, I could go on all day about, you know, people in wheelchairs getting abused and just it, it, it's a disgrace that they just don't care. The wardens are very good around town. I've spoken to them on a few occasions about, you know, I don't mind when it's fine. Um, but it's the height of ignorance, like... You know, yeah, yeah. Eva like, is her name, Eva, yeah. and she's a lady, and she, you know, she's so kind and everything, yeah, and doing her best, doing her best. And it's just that, and um, people just have no regard anymore for for anyone with a disability. And I always say the world has gone mad. But after what happened to us last night, what happened? Just, it just proved it. Um, my, we were. Um, first of all, I just want to say my daughter suffered some seizures after the brain tumor, and we've been twenty two years in and our hospitals and. Um, our Jeep, we have a blue Skoda Jeep. Uh, can I call out the registration? Oh, please do. Go on. Yeah, yeah. A blue Skoda Kodiak a registration a 221C7396. And Let me make sure I got that right now. 221C, so it's a very, very new uh, Kodiak. 221C7396 is a blue Skoda yes. Kodiak. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a Jeep. Now, it was parked outside 95 Baker's Road in the, the disabled spot. We It was stolen last night between um, 7.30 and 6 o'clock this morning because we were in COH. My daughter had seizures and um, she was non-responsive. We, told her that we lost her the night before. So we spent all day through waiting on a brain scan at COH. So that's how I know we got in at 7.30 last night from, from the... Um, the hospital worried no, and exhausted yeah, yeah exhausted my daughter would have passed away Neil only fried oxygen in the house that's how serious the seizure was 
So she's actually out of another one out this morning because my husband woke up this morning and looked out through the window and he just shouted into the room to me, um, the jeep is gone, the jeep is gone. So she woke up then in a panic and her heart was racing and she's, she went into a seizure. But it wasn't as, as bad as the night before, Neil. Thank God. Um, but we're just shattered. But what I want to get out there, I just want to keep this as briefly as possible now. What I want to get out there is we, the minute she was she was crying and she was saying, Mum, what about my wheelchair? So I said, the wheelchair is gone, love. It's in the Jeep. So she said, that's my legs. Do they not realise? Oh, and no. what are we going to do? Because oh, no. recently, Neil, very briefly again, I want to just say about my daughter's wheelchair is five years old and um, she should have got a new wheelchair every five years. But now the HSC told us recently, up to what you say, about seven months ago, that there was no more money in the budget, that they were not giving out any more wheelchairs because they were only repairing them. Now, I want to say we have an excellent old and CUH and I can't praise her enough she always got us a wheelchair every five years yeah, she said yeah. I, I, I just no. can't get a wheelchair yeah. Okay. Yeah. and this is the situation we're in that we can't just get onto the HSE today and that's the minute I, I, I heard the wheelchair the, the, the sheep was gone I just said oh my god where am I going to get a wheelchair so Eva was crying and anyway <clears throat> I got um, I, I got my we don't do Facebook or anything but I got my son's partner and my son in Australia to pull up a post saying what was after happening and that the wheelchair was inside the jeep so there was a girl came on immediately I just want to say there's kind people out there as well called Janice that offered um, my um, um, my my son's partner offered her straight away I feel like crying over the kindness a wheelchair so I went into the room and I said, if you don't worry, you're getting a wheelchair, the wheelchair, do mind anything else, you'll be getting the wheelchair. So she was crying and I pulled up, I pulled up the window, Neil, just to leave in a bit of air to her. And I saw outside our window, thrown into the muck in the garden. Now we have a, a ramp around the house, the wheelchair. So whoever took our Jeep through the wheelchair, into the muck, into the garden where her pressure cushion and the, 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 the legs were off it. Now, we were already, when the HSC said that they would repair our wheelchair, we were waiting five months then for the we, for the foot plates to be repaired recently. We only got those three weeks ago. God almighty stuff. Hanging, hanging, hanging for five oh, weeks. Hanging for five weeks. I get so, so angry when I anyway, hear that. Anyway, the good, good news is our wheelchair is back. Are you telling so me that whoever to... stole the Skodiak drove back around again and threw the wheelchair over the wall? Yes, but unfortunately, Neil, we don't have any cameras or anything. Our neighbours, my son's friend went around there very kindly and looked in every single house. Nobody has a camera. The only place is Hickey's and Baker's Road and maybe the off-licence have cameras. My husband was after going over there now. And there's been and no sign of it since when? Last sometime between... Last night. Half seven um, and We got in from the hospital at 7.30 and we looked out this morning. Now, my son was here and my sister-in-law came up because it was my... My daughter's birthday yesterday and my sister-in-law brought up a cake. So she left, we say, maybe half a state. Uh, oh yeah, it was there a half a state. Sorry, she left a half a state. So my when you got up this morning, it was gone. You put a... When, when, and when did you see that it had been thrown over the wall, the wheelchair? Some, sometime this morning? Just as I say, yeah, when, when my daughter was upset and she was crying. And then I, I, when, when I got a phone call from my, um, we say my daughter-in-law, and she said, look, we're after getting offered a wheelchair. 
No, I was crying and she was crying. We were on, and I, I rang my son in Australia. I was saying, well, I, I'm after being offered a wheelchair. I'm, I, we're crying with excitement. And then Aoife was crying and I opened the window and he'd pull up the blind to leave an air into the side of our house and saw the wheelchair. Fired into the muck. We have a kind of a rockery bed and the cushion sopped, sopped the, the, the pressure cushion so the wheels were off or not the wheels the foot plates then were fired up against the wall but at least I can't understand like they did bring it back so if they're listening please I know it's a very expensive cheap and we didn't get it for nothing we, we had to put two cars first day when my daughter was diagnosed with a brain tumour I had a brand new Honda Civic my the husband had a BMW we to had to sell that to buy the first yeah. no, one no, yeah. so then every second year we change it every second year um, you know with the, all the VRT and the whole lot back and people often say to me oh you got a new Jeep again they don't understand that it means nothing to us all it means is it's a Jeep to get us in and out yeah and listen you don't have to make it you, know, you, pay, you pay for it you know you, you're with a yeah, disability yeah. you're entitled to the VRT reduction you've yeah, got enough to yeah. be dealing with but you're but buying I'm just saying people yeah. have you you you, you you put up with nasty comments when you have a child with a disability and people have no idea and I always say the world has gone mad but no I wouldn't even use the word mad Neil I, I, the world has gone evil you and I'm listening to your bullying stories this but morning so, and so they rob it this isn't a social conscience or anything they don't have any morality but for some reason those who stole it uh, had some kind of pang of guilt is it and they threw the wheelchair back again and then drove off again I think and it's maybe when they see the Facebook page I don't know so I'm just thinking people must and is it somebody that knows I haven't a clue I don't know but I'm just appealing if they could even just give it back I know it's a very expensive Jeep and they probably are, already have it sold. Now, the guards, I have to say, the guards in Baker's Road, the sergeant was very good as well. He rang my husband and, you know, they're well, trying their best to get it back It's particularly cruel. It's very cruel. Uh, you have got enough to be dealing to with. You do. I mean, the night yeah, before and, she was moved by ambulance to hospital. He thought she ambulance, was... yeah. Thought she was she's gone. 22 years she was in Crumlin she was a whole year in rehab and you know she was perfect before the brain tumour she was she used to be in the pantomime dancing with Philip Pataggart school she had honours in speech and drama her whole life is shattered and people know we're shattered I'm shattered my husband yeah, is shattered for carers for the past 22 years I can hear it and we have our own health problems as well but it's not about us it's about Aoife every day we wake up and we try our best to keep going and, and all I want to do before I hang up now because I don't want to cry on air Neil I just want to say please whoever I have it have a heart I, like we have no way of of, of you know getting Aoife if she have a seizure 25 minutes we were waiting on an ambulance and my husband was literally screaming into the phone she's slipping away she's slipping away please please now when they came they were very very nice and they're oh I know and listen I hope I hope that the Skoda Kodiak turns up and it's unharmed um and that you get it back. Yeah. I hope it's not crashed or burned out or up the country or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But only time's yeah. going to tell I'll in that regard. I'm just appealing if anybody has the rage and if they can see it, because I know you have a lot of uh, listeners. A need, blue Skoda Kodiak 221C7396. No, you've got enough yeah. to be dealing with. And, and incidentally, you're wonderful yeah. parents, the two of you. Not that you wouldn't want to do it, but you really are wonderful parents yeah. dedicating yeah. your life to your daughter. Dedicated I mean, our, our whole lives, yeah, that's... 
So listen, thank you so much, Nate. Okay, I okay. I never went on air before. No, I know, and and I hope I hope that somebody gets in touch and we get to spot it or that it's identified and you get it back. But if if you but if if it if you're stuck for transport, you know, if you need if you need some kind, let me know because um, I can put a shout out there and we can see if we can. We've done I it in the past. Neil, I've absolutely. I have a wheelchair now, but I've no. I've no. I have no transport. And as I say, if if like if we need to get to a hospital, and if uh, uh, she's she's in headway, and and does uh, in no your does insurance does your insurance provide? Do you know if your insurance provides you with a temporary car? Well, my husband has been on the phone and um, left four messages for our insurance company. I'm not even mentioning now, but the, yeah. you know, we didn't get a call back yet. Okay. Well, find no find, find out if you're entitled to transport in the in the interim period, uh, and if not, do come back to me. Let me know if you have insurance to cover it. But I, I certainly wouldn't have any problem asking a dealer or a car dealership to provide you with something in the short term. You know. Okay. This is very so sad. Much. It's I very sad. That. Yeah. Okay. Come back to me. Yeah, All right. Okay. Thank okay, you. Thank you. Okay, Bernie. Thank you. Okay. So you heard Bye-bye. the entire story, lads. It's very, very sad. It's alarming. Um, and and it's like you got to you got to wonder. This is not a, a pang of morality or a guilty conscience, or is it? Like, uh, you have I'm a car thief. There are two car thieves. We've robbed it. Then realize, oh my God, there's a wheelchair. Let's go back and throw the wheelchair in over the wall. You wouldn't kind of say, oh, well, isn't that the most decent thing to do? It's not really. It just, it just isn't. It even makes it worse. Anyway, um, let's see what happens in that regard. But do, do keep an eye out for it. It's a blue Skoda Kodiak 221C 7396. Back after the break. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Okay, I'll come back to all of the business in a, in a, in a few minutes' time. Let, let me just put it out there. I know that um, Bernie's going to check and see if the insurance covers it. But in the interim, just to be prepared, bear in mind now, her daughter, uh, the night before last, was taken by ambulance the night before last, half past 11, unresponsive from a, fi- from a, a seizure. She had a brain hemorrhage when she was very young. Uh, she was a dancer. Uh, she was an actor. She wanted to pursue that career. All of it stopped because of the uh, brain tumour and the aneurysm. And they've been living with that and seizures for 20-odd years now. Uh, they're her full-time carers and some scoby... Uh, one or more, I don't know how many of them, stole the uh, wheelchair-accessible blue Skoda Kodiak 221C7396 from outside their door on Baker's Road, realised there was a wheelchair in it, drove round again at some stage this morning and threw the wheelchair in over the wall. I'm only reminding of that because they live with um, all sorts of issues in their daughter's life all of the time. So if there is a car dealership or anybody out there might have um, the loan of a wheelchair-accessible vehicle, just for some time, just a few days, I don't know how long, maybe a few days or a week, whatever the case may be. I hope that their own turns up, incidentally, and you would like to do a kind gesture and help the family out. Please get in touch with me. Text 0868104106. Can I acknowledge all of the texts that I'm getting here from people offering wheelchairs? So I'll, when we get off the air at midday today, we'll work on all of those texts and put something together. But I know that in the past I've had success with car dealers who have come on and said, listen, uh, I want to help out. Heard your story. It's very important, uh, and let me be part of uh, the solution. Um, to the phone lines we go. Jackie, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? And here I we are. Listening to that lady's yeah. story there. Um, we have a wheelchair-accessible car that we could give them a loan of to help them out. Um, it's taxed, it's insured, um, and we're not using it, unfortunately, because our own daughter passed away. Oh, stop. And, um, and was that where the yeah. reason, is that the reason you had it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, Jackie. Oh no, that's yeah. so sad. So look, 
you know, if they if they want it, they can have it. It's not the fanciest, but it'll certainly do them. Well, in the depths of your in the depths of your grief to reach out like that, that's a wonderful thing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so look, so you have my number. Um, I'll have to take a few things out of it, okay. but it's ready to go, and they're welcome to okay. have it. Well, there are wonderful people out there, and you're amongst them, Jackie. Thank you so much for that. Thanks. Thank you. And um, okay. we'll be back Thank to you at midday. All right, and we'll see where we go with it, and see if we can um, if we can help them in some way, shape, or form. Uh, let me stay with this if you don't mind, Kevin Lynch. Kevin, good morning. Morning. You have a wheelchair accessible taxi. Are you as angry as I am, considering all they have to go through in life, that people can ruin people's lives because of um, criminality like that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's you'd be angry, all right, you know. Okay. Um, okay. You can't really. But I just wanted to ring there, so I'm an accessible taxi driver. I, I like to pass over my number. If I can be of any assistance or, you know, if there's appointments that they need to go to or any help whatsoever, you know, just I like to pass over my phone number, my details, and they can get in contact with me. Here we go again. The kindness of Cork people will never let you down. You're the kindest man. Thank you, Kevin. I will pass that on. Your wheelchair accessible taxi is available for anything the family might need for the, um, you know, movement of our daughter back and forth because she's constantly in and out of hospital so that is very kind of you thank you so much do appreciate it no do appreciate problem. it alright lads keep those no. texts coming texts of help if you wish to get involved particularly I think we're, I think that's a great idea uh, if nothing else happens Jackie has a wheelchair accessible car which they use for their own daughter who sadly passed away and she's happy to give a loan of it so I will revisit this just before we finish but um, uh, le- le- let me talk of um, Cork humour if, if you don't mind uh, because there is a production back in the uh, Cork Arts Theatre that was there before on Carol's Key and it's called Sexy Laundry backed by popular demand and I want to finish with this and rather than just banging out tickets or chatting about it what better thing to do than bring in the cast the enormous cast <laughs> Behind the, behind the production <laughs> and it is of course Kieran Birmingham and my old sparring partner from the Panto days Fanula Linen you haven't aged a year oh, girl not a day nor a week that's Panto for you I'm still at it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a young one a young one so what, my understanding of this is like it's, it's a, a relationship or a marriage that has kind of gone cold and stale yeah well according to Herself, it is. Um, you, 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 you've put on the love handles, and the body parts <laughs> are starting to sag. Yeah, um, they're married twenty-five years, and Alice feels as if um, they're going nowhere because the kids have flown the nest, and they're kind of they don't know each other anymore. So she books them into this fancy hotel, and they're going to reignite the fire. <laughs> And have mad passion for the whole weekend. So, no, that, that's the reason for yes. the sexy laundry. Like. Exactly, exactly. So, I think Kiron has hit it on the nail on the head. We head off for the night. She has organised everything, Alice, <laughs> and um, what she produces throughout the show. You know, will leave many men a shiver. <laughs> many the man a shiver. But it's, it's also the fact that they, they start having a conversation, yes. and when you trap two adults in a room and they have to talk to each other. Um, there's some real stuff comes up, so yes. it becomes um, quite topical and quite funny and quite serious at moments. But it's, yes. I think it's something everybody can identify with in a relationship. You and know? certainly couples, you know, who have been together a long time and are at a certain stage of life. So you may or may not identify with a lot that's going on. Right. 
Are you right for the of it? <laughs> certainly, and I can certainly <laughs> John, assure you John, John Lennon does. does John <laughs> <laughs> it's autobiographical, actually. <laughs> this, this, is a production, this is a production that's written from personal experience. Yeah, yeah it's under a pseudonym. Well, then, I, cha- I challenge you. Give us a little bit of the script there. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Oh, oh. Oh, Henry. Henry, my bum is relaxed already. What? You're not making bread. You're supposed to be giving me a massage. I am giving you a massage. Doesn't it feel good? Well, it feels all right. But unlike my shoulders and back feet, even my bum is incredibly tension-free. That's because I'm a good masseuse. No, that's because I have a relaxed ass. Can you do my shoulders? You tell me what to do. I'm sharing my needs with you. You're bossing me around. But the book said to share. The book says to explore too. I was exploring your ass. Well, strike out to new territory. <laughs> How's this supposed to get me in the mood? Well, it's supposed to relax me and free us of our inhibitions. It hurts my thumbs. Well, don't push so hard. Don't tell me what to do. Well, if you listened the first time, I wouldn't have to tell you. There. Are you relaxed? Sort of, I suppose. Good. My turn. What? No way. What do you mean, no way? I did you, now you have to do me. Not on the same day. Not on the same day. Huh? I'm relaxed now and it'll make me tense to give you a massage. It's your turn tomorrow. You want me to be relaxed tomorrow? We're supposed to be both relaxed so we can lose our inhibitions. We're not losing just your inhibitions. Well, you're supposed to enjoy exploring my body. I did. Now you get a chance to enjoy exploring mine. It's not relaxing to give someone a massage. Tell me about it. Oh, so I didn't turn you on to massage me? Well, (laughs) sort of, I guess, but it's a lot of hard work. You used to love it. Well, there's a lot more to explore these days. What? I'm only joking. It's hard work, he said. I'd be in the audience and I'd be cringing with mortification. Trevor Ryan is directing it, of course. You'd have none of these issues. You only married a few years uh, back here. You're, you're, you're rocking and rolling. Still in the honeymoon period. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, have they, what have they got? They've got the... Let me have a look at it again. They've got the um, Sex for Dummies guidebook. They do. Is there yes. such a thing? There is. Yeah. There is. Ordered from Amazon. <laughs> and delivered within two days. Oh, God. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a gas book because we all had to flick through it. Yeah. And um, What's the audience reaction to it last time round, Trevor? Neil, I have to say, the, the guys came to me with it la- at the beginning of the summer last year and I read it and I thought it was hilarious. I, n- I never expected the reaction that it's getting. And Who that's wrote not- it? Michelle Rimmel. She's Canadian. It's a Canadian play and um, it's a play that I found 10 years ago and I knew I was too young to play it then. (laughs) So I hid it and and I put it away and I kind of went, I want to play this part. I didn't want to share it with anybody because I wanted to play the part and I knew I always wanted Finn to play opposite me. (laughs) And then um, when we were talking about it, we said, who who would we like to direct us? And Trevor's name was top of the list. (laughs) And um, and it was it's great. It has been kind of magical, though. We've had a great crack. Uh, and uh, and yeah. how, how, I, without wanting to spoil the plot, does everything work out in the end? Well, well yes, um, the yes. Come up, yeah. There's issues. There's yeah. issues. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of serious and sad as well. Oh, it's it? absolutely. Oh, yeah. Really? Yes, oh, it's yeah. hilarious. But it brings up, I think it's very real. Mm. It's absolutely very, very real, isn't it, Jason? Absolutely. It's very relatable, you know, and it's very touching. It's incredibly humorous. It's 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 visual. I mean, look, the catalyst in it is that sex guide for, for dummies. I mean, we have great fun with that. I mean, <laughs> it's 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 great. Because great, it was right. it's a stage in a relationship where the bed is for now just sleeping yes. or watching yes. Netflix yes. on yes. your yes. lap. Top yeah, yeah. or flicking through your smartphone or snoring. Yes. 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 Basically. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So we're trying to rekindle something, or Alice certainly is. 
And can I just say, speaking of the bed, like we have the most magnificent bed in this set. Like we're very, very lucky um, that we get to relax on it every yes. night. And um, Kieran Barry, uh, down Living Dreams, was very, very yes. kind to us and yeah. gave us the entire set and all the furniture and everything so um, hopefully I get to keep the bed after the show because it's better than my own <laughs> OK so it runs from what it started already or we started three? Tuesday night and we're running until Saturday week the 17th and that's at the Cork Arts Theatre on Carsky. any chance we give a couple of tickets almost Maybe definitely tickets? almost definitely okay. OK let's open the phone lines then 0818104106 they can pick the production themselves tickets available where at the box office online Both, yes yeah. Online and at the box office. Mm. Things good with uh, you, Trev? Good run at the Panto? Everything went well? Yeah, it was great. Absolutely. Yeah, so we're in planning for next year now already. Okay. And uh, have you got a chosen theme? We or? do, but I would be humdrawn a quarter if I, if I let it out of the bag at this point. All yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That okay. Well, listen, good to see you both. Um, and of course, let me not forget, you also do Panto across yes. uh, in, the, in the Everyman. How was that run? Right. Little Red Riding Hood, I think, was it? No, we... Uh, we, was it Jack and the Beanstalk? What it, did you do? No, we did Beauty and the Beast. It's oh. Little Red Riding Hood next year. All right. So that cat is already out of the bag. I'm drawn and quartered. So, yeah, it's all You're still good. enjoying it? Loving it, loving it. I don't know that I'd know Christmas without it at this stage, do you know? Sad, um, though, because one of those that you would have done a lot of panto oh, with, Frank Toomey. stop, yeah. absolutely. Do you remember the, day, remember the days in the dressing room? Yes, they were great I will honestly say he was the funniest man I ever met on stage and off. Oh, a cheeky Scott, but <laughs> was all of the above. Yeah. Well, what was brilliant is you didn't know what line you were going to get off when you were on stage. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it mightn't necessarily be from the panto you were in. <laughs> you know, it could be something, something completely but, different. But um, yeah. but you had to laugh. Yeah, great um, laughs in fairness. Yeah. that's what we yeah. loved about him. Yeah. Happy days, happy days. Listen, good to see you all. Thank we'll open the phone so lines, give those you. tickets away. This is a great production, well worth seeing it runs with the Cad Club uh, Arts Theatre on Carroll's Quay up until and including Saturday the 17th of uh, February and tickets are 20 euro. It's called Sexy Laundry back by popular demand. Thank you so much Thank for coming. You. Thank you so much. Lenahan, Kieran, Birmingham and uh, Trevor Ryan directing. Much obliged to you. 0818 Back to the phone lines. I go with what little time I have left. Bernie, good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Nate. Okay, so I, uh, you don't have any news since I spoke last, but I have some news in the sense that at least we have a wheelchair accessible car. Can I just stop you there, Nate? I said, I'm crying with emotion. I have some bad gas and motors. Just rang my husband and um, offered, a, 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 offered us transport. I said, there's so many good people in the world. Oh, I'm sorry, no. Oh, my. I can understand why you're emotional. It's the kindness of people. You have enough to be dealing with. Well, Finbar Gavin are a wonderful, wonderful company. Did, were they listening to your conversation on the air, I suppose, yeah? They must have. Oh, obviously, my God. they must have. What and a lovely gesture to read. Five yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, well, you're sorted so for transport, okay? At least I'm that's something. And, fi- and, fingers yeah. cro- and fingers crossed in the coming in the coming hours or day or two, the car will be spotted. Absolutely. Okay. If there's yeah. anything else okay. you need in the interim, Bernie, do let me know, will you? And just while I have the airspace, um, I just want to very briefly say that anyone that's parking in disabled spots, just think of people like my daughter coming along, as I said, I don't mind when I have to go up the mall when it's fine, but when it's lashing rain and the car's parked on the, the you know, where, where on the, um, the pathways <laughs> and just think of people with disabilities where in the year 2024, and I know it probably won't change in my lifetime, but... I just appeal it everybody to have a heart against people with disabilities, please. 
Thank you, Neil. Right. I know. Thank I know. you You're so very much. I can understand that. I can understand Bye-bye. that. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Finbar Galvin, well done for helping out that family in that wonderful way. Um, if there's any news on the car or the update with regards to its uh, recovery, I will let you know. But do keep an eye out for it. It's a blue Skoda Kodiak 221C7396. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. No, it's, as, it's, as, it's bad when somebody parks in a disability spot, right? Um, and has just tries it out or chances their arm or whatever you, and shouldn't do it, of course, because they're just lazy. Um, you know, you have to leave them for people who, reason, who really do have a need of them. But what's worse then is the reaction when somebody says it to them, you know, as opposed to being absolutely mortified or embarrassed or apologising all too often, as I've heard this morning again, is the person who says... Please, you shouldn't park there. You you know you don't have a disability or you don't have a sticker, and I need it. They tell them to f off. No matter how nicely you try and put it to them, they tell them to f off. Uh, where I live, there is an invalid, uh, what should be disability parking space, requested by a family who have a car registered to the house. A family member has a blue badge and no off road parking. Uh, now the car would be parked only to go for an NCT and replaced by another family member, so it will be parked there for years. It's been there for six years up to March, says Mary. I'm not quite sure. Are you saying that there isn't an invalid, there isn't a disability in the house and they shouldn't have a blue badge or have a space to park that because they don't have any driveway parking, parking they made up some kind of a disability or is that what you're saying? And of course that, that's a form of fraud. Anyway, we can pick up on the conversation again in the morning. If there's any updates in regards to Bernie's situation, I will update you then. But congratulations. Well done to Mary O'Manny and Balafihan, Paul Murphy's in Frankfield, both of them uh, double tickets for sexy laundry uh, at the Cat Club. Enjoy it. It'll be a fantastic night's entertainment. Our lines will stay open on 0818104106. You can text 0868104106 and if you have a short story to share and God knows there are many of them, email neil at redfm.ie Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. When court talks, car people blow my mind. They talk to Neil Prendeville on Red FM.